everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitali. I have the full crew here with me today. Joining me, I have Josh Torres. Valdez ruined my life. We have James Galizio. What a coincidence. Zelda's ruined my life, too. We have Adam Vitali. I haven't started yet, but I'm looking forward to ruining my life. <laughs> and Chow Min Wu. My life is not ruined yet. Yeah, so um, last week, if you joined us, we did. We had a, a limited crew here. We had me, Adam, and James particularly talking about uh, Zelda and our very initial impressions with it because it had just released like 24 hours before the time we had started recording. Um, this week, we are looking at the release schedule and uh, maybe not a surprise, but we're going to be talking uh, a lot about Zelda again. Uh, looking at the release cadence, uh, not a whole lot had uh, had released this week. Um, the We did get the Steam release of the uh, indie horror game Pocket Mirror, Golden Tron, did release this week, but I don't think anyone had pitched that up yet. So we're going to be spending time talking about Zelda now that we've got uh, Chow and Josh here as well to potentially talk about it. Hopefully we're going to get Alex up on the podcast within the next 15 to 30 minutes or so, because uh, he's the one that wrote the review up for the site uh, for us um, and has some pretty strong opinions of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and what it accomplished. And then, of course, one thing that we also did tease next uh, last week that we didn't quite get a chance to talk about in depth was the um, coinciding release of Fuga Melodies of Steel 2. It sounds like James has been able to put some time into that, so we'll go ahead and earmark a discussion for that game's release. And then potentially a few other things as we go forward. But to no one's surprise, we're going to be talking about Zelda a little bit more here today. Since we did kind of introduce Tears of the Kingdom last week, a lot of the high-level stuff here will probably kind of glean over. That's like the Ultra Hand mechanic, the um, the sky depths, the, uh, the three tiers of the map. We'll start talking a little bit more about what we've encountered in the overworld. So kind of, I'm kind of using this as like a, a light spoiler warning. We'll talk about the temples. We'll talk about the the questing. We won't. I'll try to avoid explicitly talking about the main narrative thrust, like where the game goes, and if you follow the the critical path. But since we introduced the concepts last week, this week we're going to dive into the gameplay, the meat and the potatoes. So if you want to be absolutely blind, I suggest skipping the discussion until you're ready to hear about it. Um, but since me and James particularly talked last week about our initial thoughts on Zelda, I'll go ahead and give it to give the microphone over to Josh just to start out because you weren't here last week, just to talk about your impressions with the game so far. And I'm going to kind of go ahead and hand it off just like that because I don't want to color, you know, how, what you want to dive into, what like what your impressions are on the game. I have no idea if you're positive on it, lukewarm on it, or otherwise. Uh, how much time have you put into Zelda, and what are your thoughts on it so far? I don't know how much, like, how many hours I put into it. I haven't looked at a timer. I actually don't want to look at a timer because <laughs> I'm kind of scared. I don't, like, I did, like, one of the temples. I did the wind temple first, and then I, I didn't ever touch the main narrative again after that. Like, I, I still do the other three ones. I fully explored the, I fully uncovered the surface and the sky. So I did all, I did all the sky view towers. I got most of the geoglyphs that have the memory stuff. Oh, you're first, you've, you've done a lot. Wow. I've done a, a good chunk of the ruins. I've, I don't know how many, but like, uh, I have like my first full circular bar of stamina upgrades and like eight hearts. Um, I started going re recently. Started doing the depth stuff, and I'm, I'm, 
I'm so fucked up in that game. I, I I've I really just drank that like the do with that game in terms of like all the all the all the stuff that you like like I've been doing like the the item uh, dupe shit. So I've done the floating coliseum just recently before this podcast started in the depths, and I got the really good weapon fusing upgrade materials from that. And like I'm starting to like planning to start fusing like the the item duping the the some of the materials to get out of there to put on my weapons for them to just get big 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 uh boost in their weapon um uh attack i got the fierce deity set i've just i i I, it's i can't i can't i don't know if i like this game more or less than breath of the wild because i really like breath of the wild as well um but like for different reasons i like i like this game a lot because it really um it doesn't force it upon you but it really allows you to just deal with things creatively in your own way there are a lot of ruins uh, or shrines that i i like i solved doing not the intended method it's like i'm going to it's like it's like showing there's this whole device and you can like interact with it i'm like no i'm going to take this platform that i got from the previous puzzle I'm gonna lay it, float it up here, then get on it, do recall, and just get up there that way. And it's like, good job. I'm like, yep, I definitely engage with the mechanics of this uh, shrines for sure. <laughs> that that is, uh, if you if you're just starting with Zelda, the whole raise the platform and recall it back up will shortcut you through many a shrine, um, or, <laughs> or get you to places where there is an intended path, and you can just do the recall method. But I but I think the I think the unintended method is kind of the intent. To state it, like I don't think, based on Breath of the Wild and even more so in Tears of the Kingdom, that they're like it's the du- item duplication. I don't know, that's a bit more foggy. But <laughs> uh, uh, using recall to raise your platform back up, I'm 100 on board with. Yeah, so I I really I really 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 like this game a lot. Uh, just didn't add however many hours I played of it so far, because it just allows you to like just do a really a lot of fucked up shit that like not a lot of games allow you to like mess with like having the ascendability just like to just kind of no clip through like more of the more jankier services and it's just like it's like yeah this is probably not the way you could have gotten up here but you did it you made it work and sure why not and then they're just like uh, like i really love the way that they reinvented towers in this game because in breath of the wild towers are more like kind of like a platforming puzzle to get to the top and like kind of uh, make your own landmarks just that way while in Tears of the Kingdom of the Skyview Towers they just launch you straight up into the sky and it's like I don't know how the fuck Nintendo did it but they made it work on the Switch to the point that like it didn't like put the system on fire so like every time you kind of like shoot up you you have a good sense of like where do I want to go do I want to get on a sky island do I want to like shoot to see if I have enough stamina to like make it to this like like point of interest that that is like that is like visually interesting like that, like there's this one, um, sky sky view tower where you go to, and you see just like a floating orb in the sky that's just like constantly rotating. You see it, you see it a little bit like in the in the final or in the final trailer of it, where like there's like an opening that's constantly rotating, and you're just like you're just like what the fuck is in there? That's so weird. And you go in there, I won't say what's in there, but it's like there's some really cool stuff in there that I was really glad that I went like you know I, I went into there, and I I just it much like in the same ways that like. Breath of the Wild was all really all about the concept of an open world Zelda game in modern times because 
you know, a lot of people c- c- compare how like Breath of the Wild is spiritually a sequel to the first Legend of Zelda in the way that like the the, the design concepts were like interacted with each other, and mm-hmm. how you you bring over those concepts of an open world. That's like the open is like not really the main focus, but it but it but it's an interesting enough thing to get yourself lost in. Um, while in this one, it's like it's the same way that the op- open world is a very interesting thing, but it's like it's layered on top. It's like you have obviously the sky and underground, but you also have just like the like other things that you can play around. That's sort of like a toolbox, like a a, a toolbox, a toy, a toy box. It's just like if you, it, it lets you just like fuck around a lot more than Breath of the Wild because in Breath of the Wild you can do it, but you have to like really kind of be very, very, very familiar with its like systems to like do like skips and fling yourself across. And like while this one empowers on those systems, like a good example of how this is um, shown in the game from like Breath of the Wild into Tears of the Kingdom is just shield surfing. It's like in shield surfing, yeah, you can do that in Breath of the Wild. It was really cool to do, like when you got the right momentum on the right surfaces and then like it, it's like one of those things like you could do but like it's like you it's a, it's like a kind of means to an end while on this one they built entire systems around like hey if you want a shield surf we get like we gave you these systems like you put a, a minecart on a shield you can use that as a skateboard you can actually like if you don't have a minecart nearby you can use you can just shield surf on like my on minecart rails uh with it and then since and then like the the momentum boost that you get off of like steep slopes is like more profound, more interesting, and it, it just it, they really they really lean into the, like that creative philosophy that people um, really got a lot of mileage out of in Breath of, Breath of the Wild, and expanded it in a way that didn't feel impossible for people who are creatively challenged like me. Like mm-hmm. I don't have like design could like uh, really complicated. Uh, or you know, intense or just I can't make a mecha in this game. I it's like it's just too over my head. I see the videos. I'm like, man, I wish I could uh, make a Gundam, but I'm too stupid to make a Gundam in this game. And I'm, so I like I, I like seeing the videos where it's like Armor Core Six footage is looking pretty swell, and it's like yeah, a giant like, mech. And I'm like, I can barely put four wheels on a cart <laughs> in the right. right order or whatever. But, but, but the game, like, it's cool that the game allows for that, but it doesn't require to do you do that. You can do like the most stupid like. I don't know. I put la- laser beam on single wheel, wheel cart and it works too, you know? <laughs> and I was, was, like, I, I was doing a quest that Adam was watching me earlier in Discord where I had to get the musical troupe over to the Great Ferry. And it's like, oh, you, have yeah. to, you have to build a boat. And my boat was like the most ramsh- ramshackle, mm-hmm. like attach a, attach a couple two by fours to the bottom to help it float. Uh, put a fan on the back to make it go forward. Oh crap, it's sinking. Put a fan on the bottom to raise it up. <laughs> just got to it across the lake and then uh get, and then you just, just picked it up and carried it yeah it's like oh just take take the road nope i'm just gonna literally carry it over and um, then there's like there's like the the whole like section of like where you have to kind of cross this whole big gap of this broken bridge to get to Rito village and then they're trying to they're trying to like tell you all the NPCs are trying to tell you hey this Halyan Pone Pine Cone, if you like light on fire, like you may want to use this to like, you know, kind of give yourself some leverage so you don't have to like do anything with the bridge. I'm like, you know what? I wonder if I could just like build a like a long enough bridge to like cross it. And it wasn't the most prettiest bridge, but I fucking built a bridge uh, uh, to, to get across it because I'm just like, I could engage with it like that, or I could really try to see what are the limitations of this like 
ultra hand system and how much how much glue can I put on, on, on this bridge to like you know make it work and sure enough I made it work it was like it time efficient or time effective at all but it was fun it was really like it, I had my fun with it you know and it felt fulfilling in my own way and like it's like I did it my own way and that's kind of the the magic of this game is like you did it your own way and you feel good about it because you you felt like you you came up with that idea and no one else did it's like I'm a fucking genius no one else came up with this idea shut the fuck up I'm the best and so a couple of the shrines like there was one shrine i forget exactly where where it was clearly intended to put like a bunch of blocks and ramps on these railings so that they would slide down and take you to where you needed to go and i'm just like nope i'm just going to staple a bunch of these together and just make a giant ramp and walk up it because the game allows me to do that and i am too dumb to figure out the intended way yeah and i think that's the, the really interesting part of the game because like Open world physics simulators aren't like a new thing. Like you think about like uh, the the Red Faction Gorilla, you know, and mm -hmm. like and th that was a really novel thing at the time. Where it's like it's an open world and had like a really really great building destructions physics, and that was like the main thrust of that game. But I think what like what Nintendo's really done here is kind of they kind of took like really interesting tools at your disposal with Ascend, with Ultra Hand, with Re Recall, and how they synergize with each other like i feel like it, it there's a better marriage of these conceptual systems in tears of the kingdom than it that was in breath of the wild where in breath of the wild they were like building blocks to make something really cool and great but sometimes like to really get like get really wacky stuff out of it you kind of have to almost have to pull teeth to make it work while on this one it 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 synergizes way better in my opinion i do miss the um I kind of have to remind myself of the Sheikah Slate abilities. Uh, the two big omissions that I remind myself is, is that there's none of the freeze object in place, build momentum, and then it unfreezes. And that, if that yeah. was paired, if that was paired with this, that would just, it would my break brain, the game my, 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 <laughs> my IQ is not high enough <laughs> to, to be able to comprehend that. But more simply, I also do miss just the bombs on demand because you don't have the Sheikah Slate, just instant bombs. Like, oh, I actually have to, like, resource manage my bomb flowers? How dare. <laughs> I mean, or you can just dupe those bomb flowers, you know? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> not not all of us here are, are, are scumbags and cheaters. <laughs> so we, I did not dupe the, any bomb flowers. The, the, the item dupl duplication method of this game, it's like, it's like not the hardest, but it's, like, really stupid how, how like, like, if you think about, like, why it works, it's like, oh, this is really dumb. Is well, it my, dumb my... as, like, Diablo 1 duping method? You just touch the item at the same time as you grab it or something no it, it, it's a, it, it's some it, it's it's a lot of like equipping things on like bows and then like uh making it line up so it overrides a a certain other bow that you drop to dupe the same item basically it's it's some funky stuff because like you have to kind of uh, think about the, the physics of how your shit drops behind you to make it work consistently you can just well, do it quick enough and it's not really a problem I my game had an update uh, a day ago, and I thought maybe maybe they addressed the uh, the item dupe glitch, but apparently not. And I guess you could just refuse to update if they even if they did. But uh, joining us just recently, a couple minutes ago, is uh, Alex, who wrote up the review for us on Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. 
So Alex, just to try to tee you up a little bit, we initially uh, discussed Here's the Kingdom last week when it had just come out, but it had only been out for 24 hours. We talked about some very high-level concepts about the Ultra Hand, the fusing, and of course the world with the sky, the ground, and the depths. At the bottom of your review, the the, the main tagline, the main takeaway that you had was somehow, some way, Nintendo made, in your opinion, a game better than Breath of the Wild. So I'll, I'll I'll hand over the microphone over to you with with that idea in mind. Just how did they do it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, hello, by the way. Um, hello. Yeah, I, I, late turning up because the perils of of having a uh, eighteen month old mm-hmm. um, who won't go to bed. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess the 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 grand and then my phone goes off straight away. Of course, uh, the grand thesis of my review, I guess, is. Sorry, I don't even know where my phone is. I'm in such a mess here. It <laughs> um, doesn't bother me. Go ahead. The grand thesis of 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 my review is really this idea that um, that it sort of deconstructs Breath of the Wild and reconstructs something new and exciting around it, um, which is a really interesting way of doing a sequel. Quite often, sequels build on top. It's sort of like you guys were just talking about the loss of the Sheikah Slate abilities, right? Um, and I do agree. It, I, I miss the bombs, um, although I do think having bombs as a as a as a limited resource now actually has enabled them to make them a bit more powerful and stuff, a bit more mm. meaningful. Um, especially like those Malice Hand uh, monsters that you sort of need, sort of need the bomb flowers for those. Really, as I say in one of the guides on the site, but. Um, yeah, by, by taking away the established stuff, I think they actually unlock the ability for the game to truly do something different. And that's sort of where it's astonishing as a sequel, because, you know, yes, they built on top of the same world, but I think the context in which, in how you interact with that world is so, so different. Um, I think the only negative thing I can say about it when compared to Breath of the Wild is I think because Ultra Hand and stuff is a little bit more complicated, for me, it took a little bit longer to click. Um, there was Skillup's YouTube, uh, Skillup the YouTuber, his review um, really spoke to me because it really talked about the game in the same way I felt about it, where he talked about actually feeling almost a little bit disappointed in the first couple of hours um, because it, it, it's a more prescribed tutorial for a start like compared to the grand plateau it goes on longer and it's slower and it's much more directed um and then you land down in hyrule and it feels like a bit of an anticlimax um and you go to that little town and then it sort of weirdly makes you trudge to hyrule castle and then back again um which really seems to suck just suck the pacing dead but then something magical happens and the game just uh it just clicks and so it takes a little bit longer to get going but once it does get going it's just so magical and so intense and so um clever in how it uses the world how it uses the systems how it works perfectly well as a game on its own but also really rewards knowledge if you played breath of the wild and new breath of the wild it's yeah it's it's you know sometimes when you give a high scoring review you get distance and you begin to question yourself and regret it a little bit. This is not one of those instances. Like I haven't looked back. Um, I'm actually, you know, um, the assignments roll on. So it's like, I'm already onto another game now. And um, by the time people listen to this, 
will be very, very close to, or maybe even depending on when people listen, we'll already be uh, in Final Fantasy 16 preview sort of zone where we have, uh, where we, James and I have played the game uh, quite a bit of it. And, you know, so we'll be able to talk about that. And so I haven't had much chance to go back to it over the last well, over the last week, really. I've done a little bit here and there to grab some screenshots for guides and stuff like that. But I've just been onto something new, but I haven't been able to stop thinking about it, um, which is, you know, the the sure, the sure sign that after 100 hours in the review period, because they're very lucky, Nintendo are very good about reviews. Sometimes a lot of games you don't get very long, but like we had a good two weeks with this. Um, so by the time it came out, I had devoured everything more or less um in in a, obviously not everything because the game is huge but on a macro level um i devoured it you know a little piece of everything the game had to offer at least and i finished the story and all that sort of stuff but yeah the fact that i still want to go back and still want to do it um speaks volumes uh and it, it is not just one of the best games i've played this year it's one of the best games i've played you know this decade <laughs> So there are two comments that were made um, last week, one by me and one from James that I want to just kind of share with Josh and Alex and those that weren't here. To me, and this is a little bit childish maybe, but this game is the sort of game that I haven't had in a few years where time just evaporates. It takes a long time to kind of do anything. Like it is kind of a, it is a deliberately paced game in terms of Link's movement, the pace of how you explore the world, how much there is to do, but time just evaporates. And I saw some uh, impressions where it's like people are spending hours on the tutorial island. I'm like, yeah, I could easily see that. I probably spent two hours there and I didn't I didn't take my time. Um, and then if you are exploring all the caves and trying to find all the bubbles and all of the uh, uh, sky islands, all the little nooks and crannies, like you could spend hours and hours and hours. And then one of the comments that James made Uh, that I'll offer here is that despite this being a game developed on a system with like mobile phone hardware from 2016, he stated that this was one of the games that felt like it most like earned quote unquote, it's $70 price tag, next gen game, whatever you want to call it. But the fact that you can go from a sky Island, uh, dive all the way down, aim for a depth, continue diving, just go and go and go pass by hundreds of interesting locales on the way seamlessly is insane like how in the, and the fact that the switch not in every case but in most cases doesn't catch fire it holds up performs adequately is remarkable um so hopefully i'm not mischaracterizing what james what james thought there but when as i've had more time to play over the last week i felt the same way and i've actually encountered some of the game's puzzles regarding the labyrinths where they intend for you to do that you you find a labyrinth on the surface it's very similar to what you do on in breath of the wild then you'll unlock the ability to partake like the paired labyrinth in the sky and i was actually playing this and adam was watching earlier i'm like what am i going to get from this and then i unlock this and they're like okay you've completed this now we've unlocked the gate so that you can dive down to the depths under this and i'm like how does this thing just keep going like i thought that i would you know you get your shrine you get your little bite size five ten minutes of gameplay you get your heart you go out but this just kept it just kept going and I knew there was just so much to see and that was just one little puzzle you know tucked away in a corner of the upper peninsula that I ended up spending two or three hours at. And that's just been this game constantly since I started playing it last week. Yeah. I like, I, I largely agree with both of you. Like, uh, like when I, when I play this game, I don't think like, I do not think about the $70 I, I burned on it at all. Like I, I felt like I got my money's worth. I have having a lot of time with it. 
Like, and, and I acknowledge that, you know, yeah, it's on the Switch, it'll have performance problems, it kind of runs like ass anytime you put out Ultra Hand. And, uh, you know, and it's a shame, you know, that, that it's like, and it's a 30 FPS, FPS limit. And of course, you know, if there's a, any other system, this would run so much better. And like, you, you think about that, you know, like, man, you, like, sure. But at the same time, like, I also admire, like, how much I admired, like, Xenoblade X running on the Wii U. Like, I'm just like thinking, like, man, they really pulled off something incredible with this hardware. Um, just like, like, this kind of like that Xenoblade X moment for me on the Wii U. Um, I'm like, it, but like Breath of the Wild was big, but like having uh, a vertical expansion to it that seamlessly switches to it that like you know there's like no like loading like screen there's no like loading hitches to like access these like there 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 are definitely but like very minor that you can't really notice like you can just like easily go from from the sky down into like underground all in one it's like it never misses a beat it's not like I'm, it's not like shader uh, shader fucking hitching. From like modern games is like it feels like you know i'm i'm playing through a game experiencing it and sure the performance could be better at some spots but largely and all it's not it's not pissing me off with the way that performance is going and i felt like i got my money's worth because i'm i'm able to engage with this game in a really pleasant and fun way that you know to its benefit it lets me play the way i kind of want to play it and it doesn't punish me for that and, and it doesn't it doesn't make me regret that like I fucking burned money just to have like this little combat encounter like hitch for like a mini second because shaders were like compiling. It's like what the fuck am I doing? You know, um, like, when I'm in when I'm in handheld mode, I have had in a couple cases where I'm diving all the way from the sky to the depths. It pauses for like a second as I enter the chasm, and that's like the worst I've seen. Uh, and it's maybe it is a little bit unfair to just be like, oh, switch, you're trying your hardest or whatever. Because if that was a PC game, I'd be like, how dare they? <laughs> so maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I'm trying I, I, to that's be. Like, that, that, that's why I remarked that because, like, like uh, I, I see it on, on both sides of that. It's like, yeah, it could be better on other hardware for sure. But at the same time, it's like, when you think about like, the specs of the switch, it's like, I don't know what every part of the development team had to fucking suffer through to get like this game running at like this good on the on the hardware that they were given with and you think about like the engineers what the engineers had to had to pull off you have to think about what the art team had to pull off you have to think about every the lighting team and every other person what every person that development team had to like do to make this game run as well as it does on this hardware and i like you know the last time i thought about that was like xenoblade x on the wii u because like what you see on here and what's on display for what on the hardware that you're running on it's like it's it that's fucking video games and you think about it like you think about like you know mode 7 on the super nintendo it's like what the fuck how the fuck do they do this you know you think about just like overcoming limitations of hardware to like make something magical and spectacular that's always been at the heart of video games like you know and that's what i when I think about when i every time i hour and i'm like fuck man that it feels so cool every time to like kind of like dive into this world and think about what should i do next one thing Alex brought up is that whenever you rate a, a game highly on a review, like you explicitly write a review or we're just sitting here glowing about it on a podcast, it always makes me kind of wonder, like, all right, put on my critical eye, because sometimes there's this conf conflation where, like, in order to be critical, you have to be negative. And I don't think that's necessarily true. But I'm like, all right, what am I overlooking? Once all the shine wears off, once the honeymoon period ends, what am I overlooking? And one thing I know that Breath of the Wild was criticized for in a few cases, and some people would, would weigh this more highly than others, is that 
the statement that the overworld was empty, quote unquote, like there wasn't much to do. You had the shrines, which were bite sized. You had the divine beasts, which were to some people disappointing. And then how does Tears of the Kingdom compare? Uh, and one thing that I've just constantly had, I, I'm trying Breath of the Wild was it wasn't that long ago, but I only played through it once. I never revisited it in the time since it was released. So I don't quite have like what was my fresh eyes? What was my perspective at the time I was playing it? But when I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom, one thing that I've noticed is that, and this is always a sign of a great open world game, is that it's so easy to get distracted um, in ways that just feels natural, not that you're chasing um, check checkpoints on, on a map. Uh, one thing that I had happen, it was either late last night or early this morning, is that uh, one of the things that return from Breath of the Wild are these stables. Stables are basically tiny little outposts that dot the world. They serve basically as little NPC hubs that usually they'll have one, two, or in some cases, three little narrative threads that you can pull at. Like Usually there's a side quest with Pen, the, the Gazette. Um, sometimes they'll talk about a creature that's in the area, and then sometimes they'll also bring up like a uh, like a secondary or a third thing. Like there was uh, one stable that had a um, like a little racing mini game that you can get pony points from that I actually kind of struggled with. And I was actually mm. telling I was actually telling Adam like I'm doing this little mini game. It's not a quest. It's not a shrine. But damn it, I'm gonna beat that guy's time because he had a time like a, a, he had like a beat be my time of a minute or whatever. So like I got distracted by that, and then I encountered this little girl who stated like my friend Piper accidentally burned down a tree because he was he was trying to impress me how dare he not a quest this was just me talking to the npc and i'm like oh that's interesting and then i found piper later like he he's actually found up in the tree you have to like use your audio your you know your spatial awareness to find him and then i learned he's actually part of that same troop that encounters that you use to wake up the great fairies and i'm like oh wow this i did not realize that that when i talked to that girl that that would tie into one of my overarching little objectives about waking up the great fairies and then uh piper you end up doing a few little things for him i believe he needed fireflies because he wanted to impress the girl again and then you bring him over to the great fairy and do all this stuff but that was like halfway across the map the, the fairy that he's that he's related to and that I just kind of provide that as like a little example of ways where little character stories, tiny little things that each only take five, 10 minutes, 15 at most to kind of to to parse through do tie into the world at large. And that is something I think to my memory was kind of missing from Breath of the Wild and to, to criticize Breath of the Wild as if it was like this a substandard thing is obviously not my intent, but just kind of going back to the thesis of that Alex brought up is that Breath of the Wild was so well regarded in most cases, and then somehow Tears of the Kingdom just took that foundation and managed to find ways to improve on it despite the high bar that it set. And that's something that I just think is why I am in agreement with my time with Tears of the Kingdom so far that it deserves the score that it did. Uh, to quote Alex verbatim, the mad lads did it. <laughs> the mad lads did it. Yeah, it's oh, it's, that, it's that's what he said. If if there's a if there's a criticism, I guess, um, and I didn't get into it too much in the review, other than to say, um, it's the same. But combat, core combat, is the same, and I I do wish they had evolved that a little bit, just as in how it feels in terms of when you're swinging swords and holding up shields and the different weapon types and things like that. Um, none of that is is such a thing that it would impact my score um, or my overall opinion on the game. But that's probably the one element where it's the one thing from Breath of the Wild that doesn't get addressed. Other than that, I think anything that people did level at Breath of the Wild 
has been addressed. And I think the, the interesting thing is, although the way the story is presented is a little bit more prescribed in terms of it's a little bit more clear, this game, about the things it wants you to do in the order it believes you should do them in than Breath of the Wild was. But, um, uh, you know, a really good example is... Uh, not to... I'm, before people panic, I'm not going to get into deep spoilers, um, but just speaking very broadly... Um, you can absolutely stumble on a major uh, story, series of story events and a major story place, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 hours more before the game would naturally point you there. And the game is quite good about making sure that it's sort of got checks and balances and dialogue to address that and understand that and make everything all still join up um, right. in the end. Random question, but uh, that example you're giving there, are you referring to the storm thing? Yeah, the, 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 you can go inside. Yeah, yeah, you can go inside a storm and discover some stuff that leads somewhere, that leads somewhere, that leads somewhere, that leads to major story stuff. Yeah. Um, and the intention, obviously. Seen, yeah, the intention is it, the game will point you towards it like after you've done very towards the end of the game. Yeah. Let's just say very towards the end of the game, but you could actually make that the first thing you do if you so wish, which is rad. Yeah. And one thing, Alex, since you weren't here at the very outset, we basically said that we we're going ahead. Like we, we mentioned that there are temples. We mentioned, uh, you know, some of the other story bits with the chasms and with the things in there, but we wouldn't talk about how the narrative wraps up or rules out. So I think the, the way that you pre presented that information was kind of in line with what, kind of what we teed up here at yeah. the start of the podcast because last week we just talked about at a very high level what the game is like and today we're saying yes there are temples um one thing i actually didn't say is that in games like this it's easy one of my natural inclinations is to like hold off on doing any narrative stuff just explore avoid the narrative almost like act like i'm allergic to it but in here one thing that i do think is really nice is that the, what the replacement for the champion abilities i actually talked last week about about the loss of rivali's gale which is kind of like the same thing with the loss of the sheikah slate bombs is kind of like all right now you actually have to engage with the other systems uh to, <laughs> to you can't just use rivali's gale for everything though i guess I suppose you can just do the raise the platform use the reverse thing to get some height uh but you do the Goron area and the ability that you get for that is basically like um, a cooldown hammer projectile is, is effectively what it is mechanically. And I kind of wish I had that earlier because there were some caves in this game where I go in with 20 bomb flowers and I end with none or I go in with three hammers and they all break because there's so many little boulders to uncover uh, and little secrets to, to pull out. And if I had the ability from the Goron temple to just blow those up on a cooldown, it's 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 a nice reward structure i think it doesn't break the game but it does encourage and reward you for saying okay you did this part of the game uh here's something you get for it and speaking of the fire temple that was just for me short of a a mouth agape moment because the wind temple in this game is kind of separated very off it's very clear when you access it it's kind of removed from everywhere else you do you kind of follow this prescribed path to get there and then the fire temple is just kind of like you're in the chasm and it's just there you don't you don't go into like a doorway and access it it's you just stumble upon it and it's there and you can float out of it back into the chasm if you so want to and i thought that was just really clever really smart and I, in general, the chasm has been kind of like the biggest surprise to me for this uh, for this game because, and I think deliberately so because they they kind of hid from it from the marketing. Uh, 
kind of let us kind of discover it on our own as we uh, as we explore through the game and kind of learn learn kind of what's all down there about the the events of the upheaval at the start of the game and how the chasm basically unlocks throughout the whole the whole game as you go through it. So you should want to know what's fucked up. Like was that? So so one to turn on, on that topic with like the, the the temples and the companions you get from them. One one thing I really really liked from uh, this game is that once you get like the temple companions and like they kind of quote unquote spiritually join you with their abilities, like they don't really fucking talk to you when you're exploring the world. They just like, hey, my ability's up, you can go do it. Okay, you used it, but they don't like make like chit chit chat with you to like kind of get in the way. Because like, I think about the last open world game I played for Spoken, and I think about two things. I think about I think about even though you you had a whole setting to tell to to like. Uh, to make Cuff like talk less to you or like talk less to Cuff or whatever, because it was just so annoying in the default setting. There's like just put it all the way down. No, I don't ever want to hear you. And so, one, I really appreciate that like, you're just not in the way when you're like traveling with them. Two, I, I think about when, when people talk about like the empty open world that was like from Breath of the Wild that you know might be in Tears of the Kingdom. I'm like, you know, what's an empty open world for Spoken. <laughs> I'm like, I was actually gonna... going to bring this up earlier, but I kind of decided against it. But now I will. Uh-huh. So I haven't, I haven't played Tears of the Kingdom yet. I'm playing other things. Yeah. Um, but I was watching you... Brian a lot, and you know, he was talking about how interactive the world is. All these little mini quests and little, uh, you know, stories and little like events that you can do, and there's mm-hmm. all these different things. Whereas, like Forspoken, I've actually said this on previous podcasts, I believe. Like the open world is much more typical in terms of like you have your like challenges and whatnot that you can do, but they're very copy paste. And then like the story of Forspoken almost feels like divorced from the open world. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you have your open world, but then you like Brian kind of hinted at with like maybe like the Wind Temple, all the like events that happen in Forspoken, like as a narrative, are all like segmented away. Um, in like little towers or whatever, where you fight the Tantas. And so there's this weird divide between like story and world. Whereas Tears of the Kingdom, from what I've watched and what I've heard, uh, it feels like there's just much more like synergy between, you know, events and the world and exploring it and finding things and whatnot. Yeah, so. and, and it's like they they litter the stuff with like like the world's not just like oh these enemy encampments that like you can like you know bash heads on. It's like there there's like interest like there's interesting sometimes irritating stuff of like hey there's this Korok dude my friends over there please build me a fucking uh, jet to get me there. I'm like all right motherfucker, <laughs> we're, we're gonna do this uh, my way. We're gonna do this in the in the most a rickety most awfully poorly made way and i'm gonna get you there you just might not be in one piece there and you, and you see what other people do and you see them like roasting koroks fucking <laughs> stick. i'm like and, it, and it's cool that like there's just like random fun things that like you can just like interact with in that game that like in your own way to kind of make your own fun which you can't really do in like something like forspoken and other more like strict open worlds that are just like the open world is more of like a hub to get from one place to another instead of just like if you're gonna make an open world game at least put it like fill it with some stuff that's like fun to interact with and kind of make your own fun out of it because like you know it's not even we pick up for spoken because it's the most recent thing but i think of like stuff like mafia 2 people often refer to it as the ubisoft open world design which is a little unfair on ubisoft but uh because lots of companies do but 
it is a sort of design of open world that has become synonymous with them particularly because they've done a lot of it with Assassin's Creed and you know they they even had uh, whatever that racing game was that had that structure I can't remember the one where you travel across the whole of the US all that sort of stuff was it the club so, was it the club I think mm. it's the oh, crew the crew the crew, the crew, crew that's it yeah. yeah yeah so you know yeah and and it's like and for me like this game is like I can't but I wish like if you're gonna go open world like kind of strive to like kind of do what Zelda is doing with their open world stuff like I know it's kind of unfair to them but we've seen that same, that same template kind of like you know for better or worse mostly worse for me copied and pasted because of that like it's such a strict rigid format while like when Zelda does it it's kind of like it's kind of fun in its own way because it's like a physics simulator as well that you can fuck around with even more so in Tears of the Kingdom and the way that like you kind of just like I haven't, I haven't really been like searching up like guides of like how to like where to find stuff or how to like solve stuff like all the geoglyph stuff I've been finding I've just been finding it out of the open world it's like oh there's like a like a, a point of interest I'm gonna go to it I'm not really looking up stuff I'm just kind of like figuring it out my own way but of course the the item duping stuff okay I was like okay how the fuck do you do that that sounds really great um having like three Hy- Hylian shields is like you know pretty cool. <laughs> I'll admit, but um, can't you know, believe other you. than that, it's it, it feels good. Um, I I think also I don't I don't it's kind of like this weird thing that's been done, like when you hear people talk about oh Breath of the Wild is like now obsolete because of Tears of the Kingdom. Like I think I think that's a weird like thing to say about Breath of the Wild because I think Breath of the Wild is still a fine game on its own that like it's still worth checking out and that Tears of the Kingdom didn't like completely override its existence. I think Breath of the Wild is still it's still such an incredible way to like kind of conceptualize like the open world Zelda formula and like what they did with it, especially at the start of the Switch's lifespan and, the, and also at the end of the VU's lifespan. And just how, how they, they kind of really flipped the, the formula on its head for better and worse, you know, because people in Breath of the Wild, you know, didn't have really more, they didn't have defined dungeons that like Tears of the Kingdom, uh, you know, has at, at certain points in it. But I, I still think that like the way that you interact with the world in Breath of the Wild is totally different with the with Tears of the Kingdom enough that it's like it's worth seeing that. And I, I actually actually did like dig like the lore that's like, established from Breath of the Wild into Tears of the Kingdom. One thing that Tears of the Kingdom did add that I don't know for better or worse, and it's such a small part of the game, but it has changed significantly kind of how I play it. And I mentioned it earlier. It's those bubble frogs in every cave. Mm-hmm. So for those that haven't played Tears of the Kingdom, if there are any of you listening to this, um, every single cave, and I'm trying to remember how they were marked in Breath of the Wild, but in this game, it'll say discovered, you found this cave, and it'll show a specific cave icon on the map. In addition to that, every cave has this bubble frog in it that when you defeat it, will give you a bubble, which is like an item that you collect, and uh, eventually you learn what it's used for. And then like once you collect the bubble for any given cave, it puts a little check mark on the cave on your map so me and my smooth lizard brain whenever i come across a cave i'm like oh well shit i can't i can't yeah. I, I can't leave until right. i find until i find the frog uh because if i leave and i don't leave that check mark i know i'm probably never going to be back here or i won't be back here for a long time so I might as well do it while i'm here in general even though i'm being a little bit silly about it i think it I does kind of like there have been times where i swear that i've explored a full cave and then I'm like, but wait, I haven't found the bubble frog yet. I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. And then I'll look around and like elevated up in the sky 
uh, or the sky high up in the cave, there'll be like a little one bomb of a wall. And I'm like, aha, there, there's where you are. Uh, and so I've actually really kind of enjoyed it from that front. And speaking of caves, I really think that the addition of like likes and horriblins are just really nice. They really add just nice to the enemy variety. So like likes, of course, are monstrous creatures that have been in lots of Zelda games. And in this game, they they are stationary. They stay attached to the wall and they reach out for you. And some of them are like fire themed or ice themed or electric or covered in boulders. And they, they just make really good puzzle enemies. And then horror blends are just kind of good trash mobs for the uh, for the cave area. So th I think those the, the addition of those two enemy types, I think, do go a long way in uh, because I know one 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 other criticism again of Breath of the Wild was that it had a lot of enemy recolor, and that's the same true here. You have your you have your red horriblins, your blue horriblins, your black horriblins, or whatever. Uh, and then of course, like I said, the like likes you have your fire, ice, thunder, but just the and then you have the you have the Bokoblin chiefs as well, in addition to the yeah. moblins. So I just think in general, that was one again, one area, not the combat itself, but the enemy, um, the enemy variety. They uh took a lot of a lot of places where they uh, approach that and yeah there's yeah there's some also it. just like so, some of like weirder ones that you see like in the depths and like uh sort of like the gloom uh variety mm -hmm. yeah um all right i have an important question for all the people who played zelda uh are yeah. are you are you for or against president hudson for against him I, there are some people that, that have been like, "Fuck President Hudson." I've, I've seen, some, I've had some friends that are like, "I don't even help that guy at all." Fuck President Hudson. I just, I just torture that guy. Damn, what kind of fuck up people do you know? I, I, they, man, they're like, I'm not helping this dude decide. The they just kind of, they, they skip every sign that that they do to torment the dude. So I'm just like, man, are, are there's, is there like an anti President Hudson faction? I'm like, I'm always for it. I'm always like, hey, you need, you need my help. I'll give it to you. I'm for President. I didn't I did, know that was like. Yeah. I did just recently buy my house from Hudson uh -huh. and Sons. I haven't bought any of the rooms. Like, there's a whole economy there. And that's, <laughs> uh, the, so there's there's a character. This is just an anecdote. Um, that like this game just you know, we've we kind of joked last week, Alex, about how Zelda, like for instance, even in our Discord, our thread for it, it's in the non RPG area, and we kind of joked about how that does or does not matter. Um, but one thing that Tears of the Kingdom does do that is very RPG like is the resource management, of course, in terms of the weapons, but also in terms of like currency, unless people have yeah. found like a cheap way to do it. Like I have not found a good like it, whenever you purchase a piece of armor from a shop, usually it's quite an investment um, in the Goron area. There's this Gerudo that is collecting um, gemstones and I was able to give her pretty much everything she wanted except for diamonds because diamonds are pretty rare. And so now I have like 2,500 rupees on hand. But if I were to, if I wanted to go to like the Gerudo place and buy, or the, the Rito place and buy all the armor to get the full set is like 1,800 rupees. It's quite a lot. Uh, so in general, and then when I bought the house, that's like 1,500 rupees. Every room addition to it is like 200 or 300. Like in games, I think economy balance is so hard to nail. There's a lot of RPGs where after a point and usually not too far in, currency is just you don't have to think about it because you're just overloaded but uh, in this one thing first of all do i sound okay yes yeah you do mm -hmm. second of all you know what game had a really broken economy for some reason What's xenoblade that? 3 
Oh, like yeah. So oh, much yeah. money and you never need to spend it. It's really kind of weird. It's kind of no, that, that's a good example. Like Xenoblade 3, I would say as great as that game is, another 10 out of 10 on our site, economy is like, it's a, it's an afterthought. It's not a negative. It's just, it doesn't factor in. Where here, if I want to like, oh, okay, I'm going into the Drudo place now. I need to get some armor that provides me uh, resistance to get the heat or or make the consumables. Do I want to invest in the armor that does that? And it actually ends up having to be like a decision tree, not just, oh, I'm, I have a thousand billion rupees. Let's just do it. And I'm sure, you know, people can be like, well, actually, if you go to this area and do this thing, you can farm rupees like this. Well, but actually, right. <laughs> if you just, you know, dupe this item, you know. To oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just dupe, just dupe <laughs> the helium shield a hundred times. <laughs> Probably. Because you, mm. you could, you could attach, I, I don't know how the duping works, but you can attach diamonds to, uh, mm -hmm to weapons and I'm get and I know that you can use you can dupe fused weapons and then you can go to Terrytown and remove the the fuse item. So I I could see a path there of how you do that. And I actually oh, don't do it. I'm I it's me being a gremlin because I I'm a gremlin. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. I, I have too much pride. But mm -hmm. I do the 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 weapon fusing in general is just so smart and the, the little 10 minute demo that they did uh didn't quite sell it because I remember after that no. demo, uh, people were saying like, "I we really waited six years for this expansion." For um, me, when I when they showed that, I don't know if you guys remember on that podcast. I'm like, dude, this sounds fucking insane. Like, I can't. Uh, for me, on the, uh, after that showcase, I was already excited from that showcase of gameplay because I was like, "There's a lot of potential here." I think people are gonna go fucking wild with it. And sure well, enough. Like I like to like I, I saw the systems. I was like, I really wonder if they'll live up to the potential of like what they're showing here because it the implication is so much on like what you can do in this game, like with those base systems. And I for for me personally, I was like, what they like that that's the thing that really sold me on this game is that little ten minute showcase of like first few abilities that you get because I was like, that sounds insane already. Like like an integrated no clip into the game upwards like sounds crazy. Oh, Ascend um, is like, uh, Ascend is a brain worm. Like, I am thinking about it a lot when I'm <laughs> playing other games now, thinking, yes. oh, God, I wish I had that power. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there there have been times where I've been actually playing, I'm like, how the hell do I do this puzzle? And the answer is just use Ascend. No, no, I'm, I'm actually about to say this, Brian. So when Brian was first starting, um, I actually had to remind him a few times that he could do ascend. <laughs> like he just forgot that I was in his kit. Like, can't you just ascend up there? And he's like, oh yeah, I can. And it's sort of become like a little interjoke between the two of us where he's playing and he's like, how do I do this? And I don't even, I'm not, I'm only halfway paying attention. I'm like, use ascend. No matter what the, no matter what the, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's because other games just, that isn't in your kit. Yes. You just, yep. you just don't, you just don't have that. So my brain is not like, condition to think about that but about the weapon fusing oh go ahead james and then we'll talk about weapon fusing. i remember that I, it was either a portal one or portal two like dev commentary where they said you just can't put anything above the player oh no it was half-life two you can't put something above the player because they'll never look there and nintendo's like yeah we're gonna do it anyways and <laughs> teach people to, to start looking up and, and design puzzles around it and I, we, I talked to you last week, James, about just like fusion. And we talked about how you can stick with Zolfo's tails on things. And um, the the demo or the, the little video that they showed, they did some very basic ones, like putting a boulder on a shield, like whatever. Uh, but 
I talked about the gemstones and how those interface with the magic rod is just very smart. Like put a ruby on a magic rod or a magic staff to give it firepower, topaz to give it lightning, et cetera. That, that just, that's just a natural evolution. Like, of course it works like that. Um, and then whenever you beat like a talus or the new flux construct, I remember the first time I beat a flux construct and it dropped its little heart and you can't pick it up. You can't take a picture of it. I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this thing? It's very clearly like meant to be inter in interacted with. And like, wait a minute. And you can just like slap it to a weapon. And a lot of these monster parts, especially like black monster parts or the mini boss monster parts, like the weapon itself might have a base stat of like 10, 12, 16 at most. And then it's like slap this flux construct on it and it's plus 20. Like it's more than the base strength of the weapon. And then there's there's weapons like Zonai weapons will explicitly state they'll fuse more readily with Zonai parts and give you a bonus. You can you can fuse like one trick that I found is that it is very easy to kill ice Lizalfos. You just fire arrow them, and I'm I'm flush with fire fruit. Then you you slap that on a weapon, and it makes it like plus sixteen strength, pretty damn strong, and instantly freezes most smaller enemies. So it's defensive as well. To me, that's been like my bread and butter. If I need a strong weapon, oh no, my weapon broke because weapon durability is still a thing. Take a random royal broadsword or whatever, slap an iceless awful tail on it, or fang on it horn whatever it is and uh, all of a sudden i've got a weapon that's got like 30 some attack power that instantly freezes anything i use it on and like there, there's i'm sure like that's people that are far more creative than me have come up with dozens of other smart ways to create hammers or spears or or shields and we, we didn't even talk but about also go ahead when you're talking about when you're talking about how rpg this is right mm -hmm. um that all that stuff is super rpg to me mm -hmm. i agree in terms of the way those systems interface and stuff. That's the thing when people say to us, well, it isn't really very RPG at all, is it? I'm not going to argue it's like a bastion of the genre, but um, all that stuff scratches the same itch as like, you know, finding the perfect build in Elden Ring or whatever else. Or yeah, I, 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 I tell them I have a Fierce Deity set that gives me three attack ups, and then I, I have a Silver Lionel Horn thing that gives you plus 55 to any fused weapon or to any weapon that's attached to it. And then I see my stats and my numbers go up. Even mm -hmm. though you don't see the number, I hit something and their number is zero, and I win. That's yeah. uh, that's RPGs. And there's you even get some of the items. I forget what it's called. Like it's not called ancient arrowhead. It's called ancient something. But it, it's like ancient blade. Strength. It's like strength fifty, and it says this is explicitly meant to be used with an arrow, like in the in the tooltip. Well, you, you you can you can fuse it with a with a weapon, but it it functionally. Um, one of those fused to an arrow does exactly what the ancient arrows did in Breath of the Wild. Right, so it's and just a one. It's just a one-hit kill. But if you fuse it to a short a sword, it will be a one-hit kill sword that disappears straight away. When I don't, I, 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 I don't know why I just didn't try that. Like, all right, this is my ancient arrow. Like, I caught that, but I just like, all right, I'm not. I guess I got to get more inventive. Like, oh, why not just try it with a sword or with a shield? Unfortunately, like I, I had this thing where um, I had two identical shields. I think it was the Sheikah shield shield of the eye or whatever and i fused two of those together and it didn't get any stronger and i was like ah <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just a shield on a shield and like of course that doesn't really do much but of course yeah, I, I, but, like uh, but it's funny like how you can like just kind of like shields are kind of like fundamentally more useful because of fuse like there's like this um shrine that i was doing it was like and then you had to like make uh use fire hydrants to like make platforms on lava and like the last one was like, oh, this is gonna be a pain in the ass. I don't want to do it. But I had a spring shield on me, 
So what I just did was like I just did a shield surf, and then the when you when you get on top of a, a spring shield, it'll pop you up. So all I did was like skip that last puzzle using that. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I don't have to like use my brain to try and fucking make platforms. I just had to happen to have this on hand, you know. I yeah. I I had a spring shield once, but I I. I took a picture of it because I've been I've been brainworms about the high roll compendium. I, I've been taking pictures of every new weapon because I'm. So oh no! I, I can't do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad someone is, but I, I can't do that. But I, I got I got the spring shield. I, I took a picture of it um, because it's just a spring part on any other shield. But it was yeah. a shield I didn't have. But it was it wasn't a high stat, so I'm like I'm not I'm not going to keep it. What's it What's it going to be used for? I don't know. So I'm not going to keep it. And then here Josh comes in like just shield surf on the spring shield for elevation. And I'm like, wow, brain expanded <laughs> <laughs> or something. Yeah. Uh, just like, you just like, it's like, you just like, you, like, I think, I think there's still a lot of like unexplored territory when it comes to, like foul web music. Like, yeah, uh, uh, like all the people that have been like playing this game and like sharing their fights, like it looks freaking been making about it, what people have found it. But I think there's still a lot of like undiscovered tech in this game. And like it's it's that's kind of like the magic of like how once again how these systems interact with each other like the just fusing by itself. But when you start, like you know, but I really like that when the game allows you to kind of mix and match the weapon, like the the tool effects with each other. Let's say like you rewind the platform. When you rewind the platform, you can be on that platform mid rewind, and then you can use like Ultra Hand to like uh, while on that rewound platform. So it doesn't like immediately cancel it out. It allows you to like kind of reach higher surfaces or like get to an, like a higher elevation to like reach this thing that you were trying to go for. So like they smartly thought about whether should we can should we cancel out this uh, tool effect immediately when you use another one, or should we just like let it run on a timer and let you keep going with it and see and let people figure it out on like how they want to handle stuff. And I think that's kind of like this. There's like so many sm uh, like smart design decisions with this game that like any part of it that like that felt off you would immediately notice right away but with the way that they integrated it it's like there's just enough freedom that feels like you're overcoming the game's limitation or restrictions in a very inventive way that feels personal to you when i remember the when i first wanted to try that combo you just said with rewinding a platform and then while the platform's rewinding ultra hand I was like, well, if I switch away from rewind, it's just going to cancel it, right? That's how every other game would work. And nope, it doesn't. It's like, all right, you've got your timer. You can alter hand. You can do whatever you want uh, with with the time you've got. And they go, oh, shit, and that brain expanded. So much uh -huh. other thing I, I can do with that. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the some of the trials, one genre of trial is one where it's through the one big part, one shining part of Breath of the Wild was the Evertide, Eventide Island, whatever it's called, where you it takes all your gear and you have to uh, work your way through the puzzle of the island to to make your way off and get your gear back. It's like a little self-contained story on its own, right? Uh, in this one, there's little bite-sized trials where it takes all your gear and you have to sneak your way through, pick up a few weapons, deal with the constructs. Uh, and one of them, there is this like uh, flame-spitting sentry tower. It's like a Beemos from twilight princess only at the top of it it's the zone eye flame spitter and i managed to sneak behind it i pick up the, the the flame spitter i use the ultra hand to pull it off the tower so i'm carrying this flame thrower using ultra hand and when you're in the shrine the zone eye stuff just goes constantly you don't have to worry about battery so i just start walking into all the other constructs with the flame like just with a flamethrower and like they're like, all right, this is how I'm solving this puzzle now. I don't have any weapons. You took those all away from me, but I I have this flamethrower. So this is how I do this. 
And uh, I remember at Adam was watching me play that as well. You can tell I've streamed a lot of this and Adam's been watching a lot of it. Uh, and like I was struggling a bit because maybe I'm just not great at the game. But when I had no armor and I had just a wooden club, I was just I was just struggling. But then when I got this flamethrower, I'm like, all right, I got this now. And that's how I, that's I, I, had, this, I had a very similar experience. Like I, had, I went to a Proving Grounds uh, shrine and like it, it was it was a pretty tough shrine where it kind of took all your gear away. And like after you took out the first enemy, like there's this whole like wide open space of like enemies with like various um lengths on like the weapons that they uh had like one had like a very long stick one uh, some had spears some had like uh fast swinging swords um and like and all you really had was like the game didn't give you much it gave you like uh like uh, a sword and like a, a like a medium-sized stick but, but it gave you like these little miniature tanks like zonite tanks and like and like when you turn them on they're like they're like kind of like slowly make their way to the enemy and like ram into them and like they'll do like little damage but it's like it's like it's like, it stun locks them like okay like what are these for and then i see like to the side like to the sides of this arena there's like uh one of these or like a flame emitter by it i'm like let me attach this flame emitter to this tank and then i switch it on and then all of a sudden i was starting to make an army of like flaming tanks on my side to get to this proving ground and it was like it was like the most the, the goofiest shit and it's like i just had this like miniature armada of like flame emitting tanks to take down like the this thing so i'm just like running for dear life from them because i'm like because i was stuck on this like proving grounds for like a good 20 25 minutes until like that that idea popped in my head i'm like oh okay Great, awesome. <laughs> I, I actually remember that shrine. I actually had the, like an opposite perspective where I there there was not only were there flames, but there was one like it was like a beam emitter. Mm. And so I put I put one on a tank, but like the beam it would just project forward without stopping. Um, so whenever the tank would turn, I'd get like this trip line that would just like sweep across the whole arena and it would hurt me as well. So I ended up like, <laughs> like I had this like tank that was supposed to be helping me try to chase That's down awesome. enemies, but it was just like emitting this beam everywhere. So I'm like, all right, all right, I'm taking you apart. I'm just going to do this with the, like with the club, with, with the weapons I have and not use the tanks because my attempt at using the tanks ended up not going very well. But that was my experience with that shrine. Yeah, I really appreciate just like the the shrine design in, in general, like like in the way that makes you kind of um, interface with the abilities and the way the way that they're like designed. Like there's like this one shrine that was like really stuck out to me, where like you all, all you really had to do in it was like was like there's this gigantic gigantic cube, transparent cube in the middle, and you uh, operated it with like a device in the middle, and it would like it would rotate the entire room except that, and there was like another device outside that would like flip it left and then uh, and then this device in the middle would flip it like uh like on its side like one at one at a time so you have to keep switching it on and off and off on and off to kind of like rotate it so they really and they're like the like several treasure chests in there where like you can't get them and if they're like hanging out by the sideways you have to kind of, if you wanted to get all the treasure chests you have to figure out a way to like kind of maneuver the room in a way that allows you to like ascend into those platforms to get those chests or get them, or just rotate in a room in a way where, like, you can, like, kind of pick them up and they're, like, upside down or, like, make a platform to, uh, to a way where you can, like, kind of be in parallel with the way that they're facing to, to to open them. And that was, like, a really creative room that's, like, huh, this is really neat that kind of got me scratching my head a bit if I really wanted to get mileage out of it and then find a way up to the top of that big cube room to fi finish the shrine. And, like, I, I like it, th there's, like, just really, really more creative ways that they're able to 
expand the puzzles in this game. Not to say that Breath of the Wild didn't have those. It definitely had its fair share of those, but the way that it manifests in Tears of the Kingdom, it's like a, a really nice evolution from Breath of the Wild. Like a whole new mention, genre. Go ahead, James. Not to mention, like, uh, Breath of the Wild had some uh, shrines that were repeats. Uh, I yeah. don't think there's a single repeat in Tears. I don't. I I don't it's like also, any. you know, they, they, they got rid of those... Um, Test of strength, strength shrines, and they're actually what really has been replaced by the Eventide style stripped of your equipment ones. Mm-hmm. But the difference between those is is it really it's it really sums up right, like because yeah, so many of those tests of strengths were basically duplicates as well. It's just like fight five dudes or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then the the two new genres of puzzles that. We've already talked about just genres in general, adding verbs like the, the bubbles and caves. The, we didn't talk about how there's like a whole genre of puzzles that usually are the sky shrines, but not always where you have to bring a crystal to the shrine in order to activate it. And that becomes the puzzle. And sometimes that interfaces with NPCs in the area. Like there's there's a crystal in um, uh, Terrytown that, that an NPC has hold of that you need to figure out what, what you need to do in order to allow him to give it to you. And then there's there was another crystal that I'm like, I found the crystal before the shrine because an NPC was near it. I'm like, oh, there's a crystal here. That must mean there's a shrine nearby that I have to take it to. And the NPC is like, well, I'm not going to give you this unless you show me a big horse. Because <laughs> like in, in Breath of the Wild <laughs> and, and in uh, Tears of the Kingdom, there's like special horses that you can get. And surprise, one of them is the big horse again. And I don't have it yet. But I guess like once I show him this this little NPC, the, the big horse, then I can uh, take the crystal and figure out where it goes for the shrine. Uh, and then, of course, we talked about Not the Korok. for that. <laughs> really. Uh, we, we have a lot of guides. So shout out to Alex and James. Uh, they have done a ton of work covering all their bases on this ca- the tower puzzles. Even, yeah, even all the towers are like little mini puzzles as well. Uh, and then the, the Koroks, bringing a Korok to their friend is a whole new genre of puzzle. And I don't remember all the individual Korok puzzles, but there's some that I'm encountering in Tears of the Kingdom that I don't think were in Breath of the Wild. Like there's the ones where uh, you have you have like a little statue that you have to give a roof because it's like being rained on and you have to put a roof over its head in order for the Korok to appear. Um, there was another puzzle where there was a very, very basic because, of course, these are little Korok puzzles where there was like a rock in the middle of a crater that very clearly looked deliberately placed there. So I had to pick up the rock and not just the one where you find the rock, pick it up and there's the Korok, but yeah, it's a boulder they had to pick up with Ultra Hand and figure out where does this need to sit. And there was this little tree nearby that had this little like tined fork that the boulder would sit in elevated in the tree. So I stood it there and voila, there's the Korok. Um, and then the, the, the towers themselves, there was one where there was a bunch of thorns in front of the tower and that like, okay, let me just pull out I happen to have a ruby fused magic wand that was kind of like my my basically my torch on demand if I ever needed to melt anything like all right let me use my torch on demand uh but uh, it's raining here I can't just light it on fire so I had to like pull a bunch of different like cart pieces and I don't know if this is the intended design I think it was and basically create like a little uh umbrella over the thorns and then burn the whole thing in order to burn the thorns away from the from the front of the tower and so just... I, I, I recently got to that one, and I did it the most awful way possible. <laughs> oh, what's that? Uh, so I, I did, I did like the little, I did interface with like the the, pla- the the boards that they give you to ultra hand them. But like I, I, but I did it in like the most like I attached it to, to like I wanted to do it in the, like the shortest way possible. So like I made a path of like I got rid of the thorns that were like uh, on the way to the the getting the boards. 
Because mm-hmm. like you, you kind because of, they're 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 covering it up the the tower so much that you kind of need to make a pathway to even get like the materials. So I got one of them to like um to, to just to cover like the boards at the top that they give you to like uh, to not let any uh raindrops uh come in, burn away those stores to actually get access to like the the little depot that they give you for that. And then what I did was I started attaching like boards and like a kind of like a Tetris formation like an L block uh, into uh, like uh, into like the nearest board by it, and I made like the tiniest like platform just enough for like the for that to cover the thorns so i had like the tiniest like cover for it just like uh put the torch in there and like start burning it at mm-hmm. the cost of my own life and i was, and I was like well i got it done a good job like <laughs> i'm like i'm such a little gremlin at this game i'm like i feel like i'm like uh, i either have 600 iq or like 2 iq at any given moment in this game and and we talk about breath of the wild like you know, making sure this game, obviously, this is not a surprise. Anyone couldn't exist without Breath of the Wild. One of Breath of the Wild's biggest um, celebrations was the fact that the way that it not only did the physics system work, but hot, cold, holding hot, hot items, even if you have just like a torch in your hand, it'll melt anything you stand near or if you have it, uh, if you're wielding it. And just the fact that all that stuff's still in play here, only now it interfaces with all the other systems as well. And you almost just take it for granted where I'm in a cave and there's a bunch of icicles. So I just made sure to light my magic wand and carry it. And not only does it illuminate the area, but any icicles that I wa- walk near will immediately melt. And you, you almost take it, you almost kind of take it for granted uh, now, but it's like, that's still just all the systems have to work together in order for the puzzles just to work like yeah. that with the, the old all the carryovers from breath of the wild in addition to all the zonai stuff here and tears of the kingdom um yeah it, it, yeah just like i, I think that my, like the last thing i want to share like about, about like my playthrough so far is like i've since i've been i haven't been really following a guide to like see like where to find the, the geoglyphs and stuff like that so i've been kind of been finding them as they come across them and like i feel like i've i've experienced like because the geos are kind of like the main way it tells like parts of the story mm-hmm. like uh, at the very beginning of the game you get separated from zelda she gets transported off elsewhere. the 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 geoglyphs, the 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 stuff that you get from the geoglyphs, like shows like what well Zelda's perspective on like the ongoing story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I'm like I'm watching like an anime, but like out of order. Like if anyone knows like the show, the Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, which like it 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 aired in like in a very <laughs> fucked up episode order. Like it didn't air, air chronologically that the events that happened in the show. It's like episode like seven into like next week episode three then the next episode is like episode one and then the next episode is like episode eight or whatever and like it, it was just like it was done very deliberately i don't know exactly for what, what purpose but it like it it kind of they kind of pulled it together at the at the end of that and i really liked that show but i was like it was very bizarre watching it for the first time through you you watch it and gonna be and at that time i didn't watch it like as an air or anything people decided to just watch it as it like brought it uh, premiered on tv you'll like it even Going in, you'll hear a lot about like they aired it out of order. It's it looks fucked up, but it's kind of it's kind of nice how they did it. They're like, okay, I'll just watch this show um, deliberately out of order because that's what they intended. So like with the geoglyphs here, like in a way that like I feel like I've spoiled like the third geoglyph I found was like it spoiled like the entire like almost story from Zelda's perspective because it was like it was up until like one. a. Yeah, it was a late one where, like, you know, your decayed master sword came back to her, and like it showed, uh, like, this is the third one that I got. I barely knew what she was like doing at this place, but like it's now showcased, like, recapping all the events that she went through before she got like um, the decayed master sword from you. I'm like, 
that's weird. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because they're like recapping all the important, like, oh, Zelda, this, this, that, that, that. Like, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> And I was like, all right. And so now I'm just like filling in the blanks now of like what's happened up until that point. It feels like uh, with all the remaining geoglyphs I'm finding, and it just like it really amused me. It's not really a detriment to the game. It's kind of the way in the order that I found things. But it's really reminded me of like I just feel like I'm watching something like the uh, like a TV show that's like totally totally out of order. But like it's kind of like charming in that own way, seeing it out of order. And um. um... That they work very analogously to the memories in Breath of the Wild, but the memories in Breath of the Wild, there were I, I would have to brush up and clear the rust off, but they're almost just region specific. Like if you were yeah, in the region, between the four champions. it was yeah, it was yeah, just here is here is Zelda and Link interfacing with the Drudo champion or the or the Grizora champion, and you could probably glean like an intended order. But now the the memory events in Tears of the Kingdom are more. Zelda arrives in this place. Zelda does this. Then Zelda sees this, and then these are the. It's it's a much more linear if viewed in order. And I kind of had the opposite effect of what Josh had, where I saw it and, and I saw a a geoglyph scene that after I saw it, I'm like that had to be one of the very last ones because that was that was some real shit. And then it was like I look at I look at the list in your little compendium, and it was like halfway down the list. I'm like, oh wait, I guess not. It was just, it was just in the middle, uh, but. It is. It is kind of. I like always like anthological stories where you have to end up like piecing it together. What happened in what order? So not quite the melancholy of Harumi's yeah, or, or whatever it was. <laughs> but, but yeah. All right. So we've been talking about Zelda for a fair bit now, and I know we also had a very lengthy discussion about it last week. Um, I think we've kind of hit all of the major gameplay topical bases here with the full cast and Alex present. Um, as, as Alex kind of suggested and Alex, one thing that we on this podcast have kind of preempted throughout most of the spring is that we knew for our coverage, it was going to be kind of bang, bang in May and June. Zelda was going to be the big May thing. And then of course, as we are wrapping into the last week of May here in just a bit going into June and of course, Final Fantasy 16. So obviously and we're I'm, also, I'm very tired. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very tired. It's been, I, obviously, I, I have big uh personal life stuff going on as well because obviously i'm getting married very very soon um and so between that uh, and zelda and um street fighter and probably everything in early june like god final fantasy previews where um god i mean i played that a month ago now um james played it a little bit more recently um and you know i dare say we'll be staring down the barrel to be clear don't you know don't listeners don't read into this i do not know anything um no one has said anything to me but i have to imagine we'll be staring down the barrel of review code of that relatively soon so there's a lot there's a lot going on right it's going to be really really and obviously summer there's yeah, there's, there's, there's summer games fest and like there's diablo that we've got to do stuff on like there's 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 a lot yeah it's like i'm probably not as busy as you but like even just like and to be clear, I'm going to be the person on the uh, the staff side of things that's at Summer Games Fest and just like looking down the list of stuff that already I have to do. It's like, oh, God, <laughs> yeah. well, it, it's yeah. kind of creep. It's kind of creeped up a little bit, you know, in, in a strange fashion, because first it was like the one thing we had was the Starfield direct or something like that. That's what we got. And then it was like, oh, there's also Summer Games Fest. Oh, Microsoft's also going to do some other thing. Oh, also, we've got. Uh, we got a Sony, a Sony thing, literally like next week. Not quite June, but 
at the in the in the in the tail end of May, we've got uh, is it is is it a state of play? I know they've got a different a few different things, or is it yeah, a PlayStation? It's, yeah. it's like one hour or something, so it's gonna probably gonna be medium. Or PS showcase. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. gonna be there. It's gonna be it's gonna be their equivalent of E three, right? But I would expect my expectation is that uh, probably the lion's share of that will be Spider Man, right? Um, right, because that. That is their big holiday game, and it doesn't have a date. I bet it's like September or so, or October or something. So June is the right time to start talking about that. But I'm sure there'll be some surprises. There's been a lot of rumors about Metal Gear, obviously. Um, yeah, and there's that, and there's you know Xbox have their show, and you know hopefully they've had a hard time. Hopefully they'll have some stuff for us. In and that, then we, um, the, you know, the continuing rumors of Final Fantasy IX remakes. Everyone's not sure when when they'll see that or what form it'll look. Uh, and then we always I, uh, we've, we've talked yeah. about on this podcast how it's not a Nintendo Direct. We don't know what we Nintendo detailed their like in person event for what like is it like September? But they haven't, as far as I'm aware, detailed anything about a summer Direct E3 and an analog. There's other thing that's the last Nintendo game ever. They have no oh. more video games after this. Sorry, Pikmin 4, you don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but for our for our coverage, Nintendo Directs are the most quote unquote scary because that's where Square Enix will very typically announce their Switch port. And then whether it's Switch exclusive or not, that's when it'll show up. And then we'll just follow up later that it's like, oh, it's multi-platform or whatever, with the exception of like games like Forspoken and Final Fantasy 16, which have the Sony marketing behind it. So uh, that's why we do pay attention to the PS showcases, even though oftentimes they actually don't have quite as much on our front. But when they do have something, it's usually something very big. Do you think we'll see Rebirth? Or is it too soon still? I I I I don't think they will show that game until after sixteen is out. I think okay, that makes sense. They, I, I don't think they 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 want to distract, which I think yeah uh, makes sense. And I think the Final Fantasy Nine thing. Uh, my understanding of that situation is, at one time that game would have been announced by now. Um, in fact, at one time maybe that game might have even been out by now. Um, but uh, you know. Plans change, and I personally don't expect to see it for a while. Um, maybe later this year, but again, I sort of expect them to sort of keep keep it quiet. Um, I wouldn't like. I, I don't think they're going to want to do anything that could distract from sixteen. So I think anything that they do do will be things that don't have any overlap with sixteen. So like, if they maybe they'll have a new IP to show off, maybe they'll have some port. It's like I think it's. Um, I think Harvestella is one of those games where it doesn't make sense to me, the platforms that's on. And so one of the things I'm looking out for in the Summer Games Fest sort of period, it may or Gamescom sort of period, perhaps in a couple of months, is maybe a port of that to PlayStation. Well, and there, there are there are also well. rumors, not not quite as high profile, but there were rumors. Uh, I think was it a ratings board thing about Dragon Quest Treasures potentially coming up? Yeah, Dragon Quest Treasures, et, et, et cetera. So, you, yeah. You, do you think we will finally get some footage of Dragon Quest Free HD remastered? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I hope so. I, I don't. I don't think it'll be at the, uh, for me. I don't yeah, think it'll be at the Sony game. showcase. I, I think it'll be yeah. a more a more focused Dragon Quest showcase thing in Japan. I think that's when you first see it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not. We're only a few months from CGS now, right? That's the thing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the Sony showcase. I expect it to be more focused on on core Sony stuff. Um, we might get uh, like, like it, uh, or something. Is Capcom in that showing, or are they not showing up there? Well, we know. we don't we don't know, right? But I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, they've got the VR Resident Evil Four 
Uh, and uh, they've got Exoprimal coming out. So, Dragon's you know, Dogma 2. Oh. I, I don't... <laughs> I don't think we'll see that at all this year either. I could see that. I could see that at the Game Awards this year, though, or somewhere like that towards the end of the year. I could see that. Oh, I want to see. I want to see that game so bad. What the hell does that game look like? I really need to see it. Let's play Dragon Dogma online and just use that as a reference. Didn't that go online? I think next year. Will be a big <laughs> yeah, year. I think it's I think, dead. There's private I think servers. Next year will be a big year for Capcom. To be fair, because I yeah. think probably. Um, We'll get a lot more on Dragon's Dogma and probably also uh, whatever the next one's going to is, right? Yeah. Pragmata so, or something like that. They still have that in the works too. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's yeah. I, in, in that sense, I am to some degree slightly more interested in Xbox because I feel like they've got a, they've got a need to pull something out of the bag. They, they um, need uh, Fable. Let's see what Playground games. So I, would, so I would like to see Fable and I also think they could really do with, especially because that show is coming out like the week before Final Fantasy, um, they could really do with a Japanese game win. So if they could get a nice Japanese game win, even if it's not an exclusive, even if it's just they get to announce a game or show off a lot of an upcoming Japanese game, um, you know, that's the sort of place where something like Dragon's Dogma would fit, but I don't think it's, I think it's too early for that still. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that Xbox has something like that. And I really do hope that we see Fable as well. Cause yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, I, I would love to see what that what Playground Games does with that. That that sounds really crazy. Still, that they're doing I, that I, re- reboot. I feel like the franchise kind of like went down like a <laughs> went down a cliff after the first game. If I remember, at least that's how. Well, I, no, Fable Two is it was was miles better than the first, and I think the third one was roughly the same quality as two, but it just didn't. It wasn't as exciting and as interesting. Um, and then, obviously, after that, they did do the Kinect game. But really, in real terms, the series has just been on hiatus since the third yeah. one. So it's an opportunity for them to reboot it. And, um, you know, here and there, I've heard a few little bits about that game. And I think um, and there's been some suggestions. I've seen other media sort of suggesting that um, it's had a troubled development. But I don't think... My understanding of that is not that it's been terrible. It's just been troubled in the way that almost every game's development is troubled, by which I mean in the early stages of development, shit changes over and over and over again. Hopefully now they're at a stage with Fable where they've, it's locked in what it's going to be and they're making good progress and they can show us something. I'll put one last bet. What, what do you think will come out first? Beyond Good and Evil 2 or a new Fable game? Fable. A new Fable game. Fable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, I think uh, Leon Good and Evil is probably a is probably a, a, a complete uh, a, a complete abandonware sort of uh, not abandonware uh, paperware paperware situation. Yeah. Um, since they're talking about like you know upcoming events, upcoming games off of Tears of the Kingdom, I guess one of my I guess my question moving forward, uh, like you know, as we think about what uh, Breath of the Wild did for game development and games uh, ever since it came out, its legacy. You know, we saw stuff like Genshin Impact. We saw we saw more. Let's say we saw more uh, open world games that adopted like the the stamina system using a circular bar and kind of trying to evoke that feeling. Not to say that Genshin Impact is a Breath of the Wild clone, but it definitely took inspiration from Breath of the Wild among like other games um, since its release. Like, what do you think Tears of the Kingdom's legacy will be now? Like, obviously, the entire gaming industry is looking at Tears of the Kingdom and looking what can we do in the future for our game. 
Every game will have a crafting system. It'll, it'll be like <laughs> well, the, the Family Guy meme with The Simpsons uh, plagiarism. <laughs> with the, it's like the what is it? The Family the Guy, is, then American Dad. Yeah. Oh. The thing but is, the, the lag is the lag is long as well. Like we yeah. we we haven't really had that many games that have been a reaction, a response. You could argue a wild, Ar- yeah. Pokemon Arceus, so, maybe. Yeah, sort of. So, and obviously they had the inside scoop because they could probably see right. mm-hmm. what that game was shaping up like before it was out. Um, and it's sort of you know, there's also the Elden Ring thing. There was someone at a video game publisher that was saying to me. Um, they've been driven absolutely crazy because every uh like every marketing meeting they sit down in obviously in the structure of any games company you usually have the people who are more gamers and more into games and, and then you have the suits and then you have the suits that and and you know the people who understand the product better right uh the people who like games and this person was complaining to me about sitting in meetings about games that are nothing like Elden Ring and having these people bring up Elden Ring again and again and again and then wanting to scream and say the there is no fucking relation so it's a pointless uh, comparison to make. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, sure there's going to be a lot of that with Zelda. Yeah, exactly. Like we saw the news from Nintendo the other day saying, "Hey, this Tears of the Kingdom sold like 10 million worldwide in the first three days." It's like, uh it's the fastest selling of the game in the, in the series. I'm sure m- many of me me now. Moving forward for how long, we'll be like, hey, uh, are you making something that will make 10 million worldwide in the first three days? You've got to think, right? The thing is, the Zelda template, what Zelda accomplished with Breath of the Wild, which is a legacy that is now secured by the performance of Tears of the Kingdom, mm-hmm. is Skyward Sword sold like 3 million copies and change. Yeah. And then Breath of the Wild sold 30 million. Yeah. So... I mean, immediately Skyward Sword then had a remaster, so Skyward Sword is probably at like eight or nine million now. But from the initial Wii release of Skyward Sword to the Switch release of Breath of the Wild, now, um, install base, all this stuff has an element of it, and period of the system's life it came out in, because Skyward Sword is quite late on the Wii, and Breath of the Wild's launch title, obviously. But the point is, they increased, they, they increased their sales ten times over. And that's the bottom line at the end of the day, almost 10 times over. And they had a radical new direction, which allowed them to do that. And that actually is the thing that like, you know, it might not be a direct comparison in terms of uh, what they're actually doing, but in terms of what they want to achieve, that's what Square Enix want to do with 16, right? You know, they, they, yeah. they want to try and reach that witchery audience or whatever, um, which is a lot more people. Um, so they want their breath of the wild moment in that sense where you reinvigorate this existing franchise. And I think that's one of the ways where people will be looking at these two games now when it comes to older IP. They'll be thinking, how can we do what to, to our old IP that's a little bit creaky around the edges uh, that Nintendo did with Breath of the Wild. And to be fair, Nintendo's not the only one, right? Because I would say it's quite a similar story with Resident Evil 7. Yeah, um, definitely. But just not to the same level of success. Um, talking about Tears of the Kingdom specifically, I do think that Tears of the Kingdom, and this is not this is not a criticism, really. I think it's a little bit more of a follower and less of a leader in terms of like I think the inclusion of like 
the crafting esque or crafting lights, the Banjo Kazooie nuts and bolts systems that had kind of already like been sort of present. Like I'm thinking like Fallout Four had that whole base building mechanic. Um, other games are building like systems. I'm, I'm trying to think of another example uh, where you end up building parts together and having like something that you outfit as your as your home base or something like that. Maybe this can, maybe it still can be a bit of a leader there. It's not quite as novel as what Breath of the Wild did. And I know there have been some people like I have, I think I've seen a comment. It was either on our review or on our tweet or somewhere where someone actually criticized Tears of the Kingdom. And this is valid where he didn't enjoy the building mechanic. He's like, if I wanted to play Fortnite, I would just play Fortnite or whatever. And I don't know how, how much water that holds, but I can kind of see it. If you're just someone that does not jive with gluing things together and doing the silly stuff with the Koroks or whatever and that's just an impediment to your enjoyment I do think that in Tears of the Kingdom you can't have a game without it it's too too far integrated that, that when I talk when I think about between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom what's the one thing that clearly sets them apart it's density of the overworld and everything to do with Ultra Hand and Zonai parts those are the two things that I think is where it took the most steps forward that someone could potentially look at as how to how to pull from Tears of the Kingdom into their own projects or IPs or games. But I don't know how it's not as clear as what Breath of the Wild did. Yeah, I I thought when I think about it, like uh, like you know, I mentioned, you know, earlier, like like uh, by itself, like these system by itself, like we've seen them in other games. But um but the scope that Tears of the Kingdom does it at, I think it's uh, really, really impressive because it's like it's like uh, it's an open world physics simulation like everything that you do has a cause and effect to the world around it and like you had you had a similar thing with breath of the wild but this expands upon that in a way like in a way that like they really had to like basically design the world meticulously account for these things to account that you can no clip upwards to account that you can just basically have like uh basically unlimited glue to all these little parts that like you can pick up and you have to uh, to start really thinking about like what, how, like they had to they had to uh, account it for a way that like you didn't totally like break the game to the point that like the the game would just like actually start failing like on a software level, like you know because like when you put these concepts on paper, it's like how will we do this in a way that doesn't like break the game like on a software level? And I think I think that's the most impressive part about it. Is because they're able to do this on an open world that does have like a multi-layer feature that is expansive or on horizontally in the way that like things are like interact in a way that like it's like it feels very seamless. It doesn't feel like it's 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 like segmenting one system from another system. It's just the way it flows together. It it all, it all sticks together. I think that's the biggest thing that like this biggest achievement is like it finds a way to make these systems that sound crazy and game breaking on paper feel natural on this scale i think the one thing about it is that it's i think to, what what i'm basically understanding from your from your statement is that all these systems it doesn't have the fact that breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom more, more importantly can allow for this creative emergent solutions that aren't bespoke or prescribed like if, if i have a character that i need to get them out of a pit and i have to fix their and i have to fix their uh their cart and I have to build it 
like there is no one correct way to do it. It's not some prescribed, you have to do this. This is how you solve the puzzle. It's not lock yet, and key. Yeah. It's, yeah, there you go. It's not lock and key. But the game is still smart enough to know, like once I put the cart together in some fashion, that I, then I can go to the NPC and tell him to get in <laughs> and then raise the balloon or the rockets or whatever to, tr to try to get him out. And you might fail. You might capsize the cart or whatever. But I, the I, fact I, that I, it, go, go for it, finish your thought. Go finish your thought. I would say the fact that the game allows for that is something that I think if you don't think about it too hard, it, it would be easy to go underappreciated. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's basically yeah mm -hmm. what I was uh, getting at. And also, like, I would like to see more games uh, like kind of be more fluid with the way that they design their worlds, like, uh, in like in terms, of, like, I, I guess my 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 the, the shortest way I, I can convey this is I would like more games to allow me to no clip freely <laughs> i guess because i think that's just the, that's still the the feature out of this game for me that like i like i think alex and i are on the same wavelength on this like when we like play other games we start thinking about like man what if i just could just like warp through the walls though and get to where i need to go <laughs> even not even just in games but just like you know a game is truly it doesn't very often happen with me but when a, you know a game is truly like mad special when um, it just invades your thoughts, even just walking around sometimes. Yeah, in in, in real life, like the, the the one the first time I ever remember that happening um, to me was like one of the GTAs, um, and it just sort of rewired my brain for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, the way I looked at certain things, and this is that Zelda is that it, uh, that writ large, like. Yeah, totally. Like, like I say, I'm playing a different game right now uh, for a review process, and I'm sort of tooling around in the world, and I keep thinking to myself, uh, I've got to get up there several floors. It would be so much easier if I could just ascend. Yeah. Is it, is it Street Fighter Six? Uh, Who else? <laughs> I was being cheeky. <laughs> Uh, but no, but thank you so much for joining us, Alex, uh, and giving your perspective on the game. Say, I've got a very busy real life couple of weeks, but I'll be sort of back um, in the saddle by the time Final Fantasy 16 is coming out. So we'll, we'll we will have to um, I'll have to join you guys uh, again to talk FF16. And actually, I think once that game's been out, I've got a special uh i've got an idea for something we can do uh, do on the podcast that we'll have to do but we'll want it to be out for a bit um before we do that so i will definitely be back sooner rather than later nope no thank you so much for joining us uh we are going to go on to talk about the other major release of of may of course that's fugo melodies of steel 2 and then we're going to go on and talk about um some jedi survivor since we didn't really get a chance to talk about it at length when it first released uh a month ago or so but We'll love love to have you back on back when we are in the space of Final Fantasy 16 in just a few weeks. Yeah, well, when like I say, yeah, when we're in the space of 16 and two, I'll hopefully be a little bit less crazy busy so I can actually stick around for a whole episode, even if it goes to quite a late time here. Because, yeah, I've got uh, the stuff I've got to I've got to take care of tonight. I wanted to come on and talk about Zelda and I'm really going to want to come on and talk about Street Fighter as well, actually. Um, well, because... Chow and Josh would, would appreciate that. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and obviously I wrote a thing just before you guys move on to what you were going to talk about. Obviously, I wrote mm -hmm. a thing on the site uh, when I did the Street Fighter preview about the World Tour mode um, where I played uh, two hours, 
of that-ish for preview. So that was sort of the content that was in the demo and then quite a bit of content after that. And yeah, it's it's totally like a Yakuza, Shenmue um, sort of thing. And I think there's, there's probably going to be a lot there in the full thing for fans of of the RPG genre. Like if you like fighting games and RPGs, I think you'll get a lot of joy out of it. But I, I'll be interested to see if there's any uptake on this. Like we'll have to see with some of you guys, if there's any of you guys, like I know Josh and Chow play, uh, play fighting games. But it'd be interesting to see if there's anyone on our yeah, team well. that, that doesn't... Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It'd be interesting to see if there's anyone on our Get team that doesn't it. play fighting games. If they would try this and just literally play that mode, if it would grab them, I'd be interested. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing because like, I wonder if like, if people were to like, like the competitive like aspect of fighting games of playing like, another person... Like if like if this would be just like uh, Street Fighter Six, would be like a worthwhile product. It's like if you just want to engage only with the RPG like mode or systems with it. Like would this would that be enough for like the price that you're getting for it? So I think that's yeah. the interesting thing that uh, we'll see how meaty that RPG mode is. You know, I think that that'd be that'd be an interesting thing to check out. There's definitely something for us to talk about there. Yeah, when uh, when, when we've you know seen more of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, once again, Alex, thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you uh, in a few weeks. And obviously, good yes, luck with your uh, with your with your travels and your your honeymoon and all that other stuff. Yeah, uh, take care, dude. Yes, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, this this is it. The next time I come on, I will be a married man, so that'll be a thing. Well, congratulations. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but next time, but also next time we come on, we'll talk sixteen. So that will be. I, I'm extremely, extremely excited. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Well, take care, Alex. Cool. See you in a bit, guys. And with that, we will move on to the second game in our list here. And that is, of course, as I described, Fuga Melodies of Steel 2. Um, last time when we talked, we didn't have anyone that had quite... Adam had played a little bit of the prologue, and that had pretty much been it. Uh, Adam had got sidetracked a few by a few other projects. But then James mentioned right before we started recording that he had, he had been able to play up to or through um, roughly about chapter three of the game. I'm not quite sure how far that is into Fuga Melodies of Steel 2, James, but you, of course, uh, were our primary point of coverage for the first game. So go ahead and just hand off the microphone to you what your thoughts are so far on the sequel. I'm about uh, three chapters in. Um, I got to the, uh, well, chapter four. So I'd say that's kind of the opening moments of the game dealt with because the, like, the training wheels kind of come off after that, it feels like. I'm not sure how much further, or if uh, he's even further into the game, um, Adam is, but uh, that's about how far I've gone into it. It's, uh, It's Fuga. There's uh, some new um, things added into it, like leadership skills. There's a morality system. Well, not really a morality system, but it's like there's a system where it's like you have to choose like occasionally like um, action versus conviction. Resolution, I think. Yeah. Oh, similar. But yeah, it's a it's. It's pretty neat. I I think the opening moments of the story is uh, more gripping to me than Fuga 1. Like, Fuga 1, I really enjoyed the gameplay, but I felt like the story was almost a bit too simple. Not not an afterthought, obviously, but I I don't know if if, uh, anyone else who's played Fuga 1 kind of had a similar uh, view of things. 
I think it's James and Adam that have played, uh, or sorry, Josh and Adam that have played Fugo one. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's a very straightforward story. Yeah, I'm like kind of uh, charming, but like not very intricate at all. Yeah, and there's definitely more going on behind the scenes in uh, Fuga Two, um, at least from what I've seen already, and it definitely seems to tie more heavily into the series's um, history. By series, I don't mean Fuga. I mean like Little Tail Bronx, so stuff like Solitorobo, especially, and I guess maybe a little bit of uh, Tail Concerto, but definitely Solitorobo. Hmm. Which, which you get a bit of that at the end of um, Fuga One, little bits and not um, bits and pieces. But it's like you still obviously can play this having not played Solitorobo, but it's very clear that. And I'm sure from CyberConnect 2's standpoint, anyone that had played Fuga 1 and is interested in Fuga 2 has probably, if not played Solitaroba, is probably interested in it and knows at least a little bit more. So Now, Fuga 2, you mentioned that you can play Fuga without those uh, Little Tail Bronx <laughs> entries, but what about Fuga 2 related to Fuga 1? For me, I have not made time yet to play Fuga 1. Would you? It's a direct you, sequel. You need to play Fuga One before uh, you play. Fuga. I was, I, I was thinking that's what it was going to be, but I just wanted to double check. No, n- no bandwidth at all in terms of uh, skirting around that. Yeah, <laughs> unless you, you want to be a rebel. How, how they, does, they, they, does, I, I, uh, I don't know ahead. if you went back to Fuga One, James, but like they, they said they added like a few mechanics that they, they were uh, designing for Fuga Two back into Fuga One. Did you ever get to see that? I didn't, but playing Fuga 2, I think I have an idea of some of the things they might have added that are quality of life features. Like in Fuga 1 at launch, um, when you wanted to change your formation of which kids were on were support for a gun, who um, which one was actually manning a gun, you couldn't easily check, like double check what enemies you were up against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I was like, that's um, weird. So they added a feature where you can press the right bumper and it's like a binoculars icon. You get like a pre you can actually see the state of the battle. So you can before you lock in your formation, it's like, okay, do I have this right? Do I do I remember the state of like what the armor defenses are on some units? What um what are they weak to? So what color coding do I want for the guns and all all of that sort of thing? So you okay. can preview that before you lock it in. That okay. And, and make changes before you uh yeah so that's that's one of those things that i assume is probably been passion to fuga one don't quote me on it but i feel like that's a safe enough assumption that that's one of the okay. things but, but, that, but that that feature alone even in fuga two is like much appreciated as like you know someone remembers the mechanics of fuga one it's like yeah that's the other I thing that i the other thing that I'd imagine is that there is now the ability to speed up the movement between the objectives in a map. So like uh, okay. before you would have like the plotting sort of uh, movement of the tank, which wasn't, I'd say, slow, but it was definitely deliberate where it's like you'd have like. Four or five seconds between like you finished one thing and you get to the next one. I don't I think that's idea. Yeah, it's one of those things I never thought about like speeding up. I was like, I was like, oh, there's just the face of the game. I just, I just never really thought about like it. It never really got on my nerves, but like, I guess that's nice too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's added. I do. One thing that does stand out to me from Fuga Two that's like a new feature is that. So the airships, the way they work, it was this one thing they showed in the game where it's like you every so often you'll run across a space on the track that has an airship. You can you can. Well, for one thing, 
The children, unfortunately, have learned about capitalism. They now have Uh-oh. money. Uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, you do have resources in the term, like, you just have, you straight up have cash. You can, like, <laughs> in between, in between chapters, you can, you actually, instead of bartering, you have to sell stuff you find from ruins for cash. You can buy stuff at, like, these actual shops. And Fuga 2 is definitely more difficult than Fuga 1. Maybe not super difficult but it's definitely noticeable and i'm not sure if adam feels the same way but i've like, only Fu- read the first chapter so not far oh. enough to know okay well but i have noticed other people say the same thing where fuga 2 does feel like a noticeable step up in difficulty from fuga 1 and i kind of like that and i feel like part of that the reason why they've made it more difficult is they've added the managarm which is a different basically it's a diet soul cannon uh, where you can use it, and instead of outright deleting the kid from existence, they are just um, completely knocked out, and you're going to have to rest them at the next intermission before you can use them again. And they won't get any experience from the fight, or any fights really, until the next intermission. Oh, wow. No, okay, so no, no experience penalty. It's sort of like um, the the usage limit on uh, 13 Sentinels, where you couldn't like, redeploy the same person. Yeah, with other yeah. Fatigue. And and one of the things that uh, happens, and like if you remember from the first game, like before you could use the soul cannon, you had to um, take enough damage, and then it would say, "Oh, soul ca- cannon is uh, available." And yeah. this one, you can always use the mana garm, but if you take too much damage, there's a chance because you know in the first game, the tank itself had the Tyrannus had a bit of an AI uh, John or however you pronounce it, and she was kind of guiding the kids but she didn't directly get involved in this one at least well in this one instead of the tyrannus you're piloting you're piloting the tarascus i think is how you pronounce it which was the tank from the ending in the first game that the enemies were um piloting um general hacks and for whatever reason this tank which is apparently alive in some sense repaired itself and Hax's consciousness is now an AI for this tank. Makes sense. So, uh, because yeah. of that, he is very he's, he he doesn't hold a grudge, but he's very cold and cal- cold and calculating because he is a machine. Uh, even though he's not Hax, he just has the memories and has some of the mannerisms, but very cold and calculating. And one of the things that this AI does and takes in, like takes into its own hands is. If your tank's HP gets low enough, it will say, okay, I am going to load a kid into the Managarm. You have X many turns before I fire. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you get to choose which kid at least gets uh, loaded or random? Random. Okay. Oh. Well, it's, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can avoid it, but it's definitely one of those things where it, it's just a little bit more of a kind of a not a guiding push it's more of like the game yeah the game always has a loaded gun and it's pointed at you and you and it's sometimes easy to forget it's there but every so often if you're if you're struggling the game will remind you hey you, because you the first one the first one like it was so easy to not use soul can at all it was just like yeah. it, it was like a non-mechanic if you really I was just like if i don't want to you could easily just not pay attention to it then you will be fine aside from like the tutorial yeah, um, mandatory one, usage. 
one thing I will say that's really interesting about the way that the boss fights at the end of chapters in this game works out is that so the plot beat for Fuga 2 is that something has taken control of the Tyrannus and has just kidnapped essentially half of the crew from the first game. And like uh, it's oh, like okay. mind controlling them or something. And so because of that, at least so far, the end of chapter boss fights have been against the Tyrannus itself. And there will be like one kid or multiple kids controlling the guns on the Tyrannus that you have to like disable. And then one kid is loaded into the soul cannon and you have X number of turns to disable it before they just fire the soul cannon. Hey, that's great. That's cold. <laughs> yeah. And then like, it, and, and, and at that point it's like, yeah, the person that got fired in the soul cannon is dead. But if you get hit by the soul cannon, everyone is dead. dead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a really, really neat, like turning on its head sort of thing. And I do like how having some knowledge of, uh, the characters from the first game and like knowing what they're capable of kind of gives you a slight idea of okay so it kind of translates into the like you know what you what to look out for in those fights yeah yeah it's really yeah it's really interesting boss fights and it's uh kind of funny how like i love how like when people talk about rivals in video games like nowadays you sometimes see see people say oh they gave you a virgil it's like yeah you got (laughs) instead of uh Instead of Fuga 2 giving you a Virgil, it's like, no, you are the Virgil, but uh, Dante really wants to kill you. It's like SMT3 all over again. <laughs> it's that, uh, sounds, that sounds interesting, the, the way they shake it up. Uh, it, it feels like there's like more of a, like an emotional stake uh, at its core there. While yeah, like, it, like, it, like, you know, the, the first one was like sad, obviously, and very grim. But this one just like amps it up in a, it sounds like in pretty creative ways. Yeah, I will say, like well, the one remix they I... have the remix they have for the uh, boss fights where basically one of those kids is being loaded into the soul can is a remix of the uh, LG on the winds. I think is what it's called that vocal theme from the first game. Oh yeah. 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 It's oh. so good. It's so good. The soundtrack is like, I mean, Fuga one soundtrack was already great, but Fuga twos definitely feels like even better. And honestly that so far, that's what I can say about Fuga two in general. It feels like Fuga one, but better so far. I'm excited to see where the story goes like from here on out. But yeah, I mean, this... Ho- hopefully it does well. Like, like, you know, okay. It didn't have the greatest release date. Not the greatest well, release timing. I don't, but... I don't think they necessarily care now to be. To be clear, I don't know. Okay. We I don't did, know. We, <laughs> we, we did get a review code finally, and that's what I'm playing it on. Uh, but like they outright said after um, the game pass deal for Fuga one and two, that the series is now profitable. So I think that's the main reason why they weren't really stressed about, about sending early code. Cause in their case, it's like, well, there's no urgency because they've already made back their money. Essentially. I, th- so. I think it would still want some level of profit from it instead of just like dismissing it completely and not worrying yeah. about it. So, yeah. you know, hopefully it, it does. Yeah. But I mean, like I just said, if you played Fuga One, but you weren't sure if you wanted to spend like, it's at thirty or forty bucks for Fuga Two. Mm, I think it's I think it's forty. Okay, if you didn't want to spend forty on Fuga Two, I mean, well, if you have Game Pass, it's on Game Pass. You can play it there. So. I just I was just curious. I just checked. There's only one review on Metacritic for this game. It's Noisy Pixel, I think. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah. So it's just they didn't have review copies. So yeah. That's what it did. <laughs> and if I wasn't so busy with Zelda guys, I think I put out like 30 guides so far. You've been rocking it. Yeah. Yeah. Hustle. Yeah. It, it, it is definitely that one is, of those that, games. I, I I assume that's like people always just find them like every like that's the same way with Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, those guides will pay for my new laptop. So that. Right. Well, you great. know what? I am gonna do exactly the same thing. I am gonna buy an OLED TV just for the ultimate Final Fantasy VII experience. Oh, is it seven? I was gonna say sixteen. Well, like, like, like part one or, or like remake or like original, like for what which Final Fantasy seven? It's gonna be it's gonna be just for part two, but I'm just gonna buy it now. Just to, you're gonna buy yeah. a TV just for part two? Yeah, the ideal FF seven experience. Oh, I have my friend that works at Square Enix back then. Well, we're not longer friends, but back then he was like, <laughs> "You're gonna spend four hundred dollars on that stupid collector's edition? I hate you." Like why? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you can get really good TV, like OLED TVs, for like under a thousand now. So if yeah, you haven't, insane. yeah, if you don't already have a good TV, I mean, if there's a game you're really excited for on like current gen consoles, I mean, it makes sense. It's like okay, I'm gonna finally get this TV so I can play this game and it's best possible like a uh, scenario. Yeah, I don't think it's that weird. I haven't had one TV in like man, like at least five years now. <laughs> I think I haven't had my own TV. I, I want to tr- turn on the HDR function, which I, it never lets me turn on, okay? Okay, that's fair. It hasn't been until, like, very recently that I'd say that, like, monitor HDR has been worth using, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the, uh, not, I just still don't know what HDR is. <laughs> <laughs> I I used HDR for Star Ocean and for Wolong, and it looked pretty good in both of them. Yeah, but don't you have, like, a uh, like a $1,500 monitor at the time or something? Yeah, I have one of those. It's actually a quantum dot. So yeah, it was like a Asus, I believe, monitor. It had like over a thousand dimming zones or something. Yes, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> well, I remember when, not that long ago, like 2016, 2017, 2018. If you wanted like a 4K OLED TV that was like more than 40 inches, you were spending like three grand at least. And now it's like. Some of them, if you get like some of the really high spec stuff, it's still that much. But you can get a decent 4K OLED for like, like James said, one grand, fifteen hundred. Price yeah, on quite a bit. I'm yeah. thinking about the G2. That's what I'm thinking of getting. LG. Yeah. Hmm. But well, well, we'll see how it goes. We got the ideal gaming experience. I'll try to whip up some Final Fantasy 16 guides, but I would never play it ahead of time. For review purposes because i'd never like to have a deadline hanging over my head and one last question on fugo before we move on to the last game uh how how long does it take to beat fugo one is it like a 20 hour I game think it, i'd have to check really quick it, it wasn't that long i don't think so um i believe fugo one took me i'm checking steam it took me about 25 hours to beat something like that gotcha does that include AFK stall time? Or you always oh, no. play off your game. When... Well, well, no. When I played for Fuga One, I pretty much just beelined it. I remember. Yeah, because it's hard to read the Steam time because a lot of people would just leave their game running while they're doing other things. I'm not sure if you're one of those guys. I uh, I, some, I, some, I sometimes do that. So yeah, I, I remember the, when the Steam gameplay the time bugged for my friend, and like for some reason he has like 
I think like over 600 hours of like Death End Request 1 because it bugged. <laughs> that for me, that is a Bayonetta 1 on Steam. It says that I have 180 hours. I realistically only have two. It's just I put my laptop into sleep mode at the time and for whatever reason, it didn't properly sleep. Uh, Steam thought I was playing it for 100 plus hours. The strongest Bayonetta 1 warrior. Yeah. So the last game that we have earmarked here that I just I mentioned when we were um fending off Alex is that it came out about a month ago. We talked about Jedi Survivor, but at the time it were we were in the midst of the the mire of the state of specifically the PC port, but just kind of the game in general in terms of its performance. Well, we kind of said at the time we we kind of put it back on the shelf and said, we'll find another space to retalk about Jedi Survivor and talk more about the game and less about the technical issues once that had hopefully had been kind of addressed. Now, I do know that obviously James played through Jedi Survivor and reviewed it for us back then. And then uh, since then, I know Josh has also put some time into it as well. So I figured uh, uh, before we get to the new slate here, which is pretty quiet this week, we can spend a little bit of time just wrapping back around before we get too mired into Final Fantasy 16 and Trails into Reverie and all the other summer games, uh, looking at Jedi Survivor and at least giving some podcast time to it about the game itself and not so much about the performance issues. So since... Um, since James had covered the game in his review and scored it highly, I guess I'll go ahead and give it off to James first for to kick off the discussion, and then we'll loop in uh, Josh to see if he feels the same way or similarly or dissimilarly, uh, etc. In any year where uh, Tears of the Kingdom hadn't come out, this would have been a game of the year contender outside the technical issues. It's those, uh, are two, that's, those are two pretty big caveats. <laughs> like, yeah, that's uh, like I'm over ten hours, and I feel like it's there's still a ton of the game to to do. Like, because I, I I went to the first planet, and I kind of like explored everything I could before I, like moving on, because it's like kind of like uh, I'm the Metroid thing, where like, hey, you can you can get here, but you don't have like the skills needed to like actually like reach this spot yet. So like, I, I feel like I spent like a good chunk of hours exploring as much as I could. Um. And doing that, and then much of the side content, like a good chunk of those hours, was like redoing some difficult fights, like the son of Ogdo Bogdo and the twin Ogdo Bogdo fight, which was like both of both of them are like fucking dog shit for different reasons. But like, uh, the, like that that was like some of the most difficult fights I had this year in a game. Uh, this this the the solo one. I mean, these are just like big like frog like looking creatures, and like you, I can encounter one of these very early on in Fallen Order. And I was like, it's kind of it's like a sort of challenging fight in Fallen Order, Fallen Order, but not not a big deal. This one, for whatever reason, like they're just kind of like infuriating. <laughs> I I still powered through them because I'm like, I don't know, I'm I'm stubborn. But like the the the, the there's one where it's just like solo, um, where it felt bugged <laughs> because like there was like no recovery frames on like any of its attacks, and it did like a shitload of damage. And the other one was like a challenger room. That grab, it's so bullshit. I hate oh yeah, it. oh yeah. The hitbox that grab is fucking crazy. I hate the I hate the one where like it does a the one two combo, but there's just like no recovery face, so you can just do whatever the fucking wants after it. So, like you, you would think there's like you'd have enough time to like get a slash in, but like no, fuck you. So and, and then the other the other one was like just uh, both of these creatures. You're fighting them both at the same time. That took a good while too. I imagine started through it, but man, it was like, uh, yeah, it was really aggravating and had to be very patient. I. I, it was like it was down to the point where I was like one hit left, and like um, 
And like I, I felt like it hit me before I hit it, but like it still counted my as, as my victory. So I was like, okay, I'll take it. But um, in general, it's it's a much much better uh, game than Fallen Order. It's just like gameplay systems and the way that like just general combat feels, and uh, and especially platforming around that game feels a lot more. And I, I, what I like about it is like it feels like that you, you it left you in the state that you were at the end of Fallen Order, where, like, you had, like, all your movement abilities that you had from Fallen Order. You had the double jump, you had, like, the the the, the wall running, being able to swing things, you had the, the force pull to get, um, the, to grab out the ledges. Like, nothing's taken away from you, unlike Zelda, you know, at the very beginning. Like, everything, you're, you're, you're good to go. And it's built on top of that. Um, where, where you have, um, you have, like, this mid-air dash, you have, um, some new uh, stances for your for your lightsaber, and it just it it feels a lot a lot more free flowing. Like it's it's not it, like I would say the first game's level the design was very it was obviously linear in nature with the way that like uh, progression is handled, but also in the way that like you man never get around the environment. It was very like straightforward, um, like you know just do this platforming thing. But it's like it's mostly a straight line. While this one is a lot more. Um, it makes use of its 3D environment a lot more, and it's reflected upon like you know having more open zones for its planets, being more explorable. But even in, like in its like uh, world structure, so let's say you have like this difficult, challenging fight like at the bottom of like this uh, basin, like the, this waterfall, and then surrounding it are like these walls that you can run up uh, across, and like there's this like there's a very visible uh, health or force upgrade at this uh, ledge. So you have to start thinking about like um, which walls will allow you to let you can run across. So you you have to run, do like a multi uh, wall run across these ledges. Then you have to do a double jump to get onto this uh, heightened platform. Then you start to th- start thinking about is there like a, a, a wall runnable ledge or do I have to like uh, mid air dash into like these ledges that will uh, uh, form the platform up into this like uh, into this upgrade that I need to. To get it's not like a it's not like a revolutionary thing, but the, but you know but the respawn is very good at like ha- having fun like platforming puzzles. You know, obviously Titanfall two deserves like a, a mention here because they did a, like a crazy good job in that game. They came to platforming puzzle stuff, and some of that like the, the that movement philosophy um, is applied to uh, Jedi Survivor in, in a really in a really intuitive way. That's like. Uh, it's very I don't know the most Star Wars thing but it's very cool to do <laughs> in a Star Wars game and I, I like a lot of the just kind of the the home base stuff that allows you to do like uh, you, you land on the first planet there's like the saloon to meet up with one of your former crew members and you start and like you start to feel like you have like a, a sense of place and like a, and a home base in uh, in this game unlike in um Fallen Order, where you're always on the run from planet to planet to planet. While this one is like kind of more relaxed and kind of more at your own pace. You're not always on the run. You still have things to do, but you always have like somewhere to return to as like a home base, which feels nice. While while in Fallen Order, your home base was the Bantus, but it was always on the on the move from from planet to planet to do like the Zephyrs and so forth. So I I really like I really like where they're going with Jedi Survivor. I still have a lot. I feel like I still have a lot of the game to go. I have only the um, like the key to Tantalor uh, story events, um, and that's seeing the you know that's kind of like the 
I guess the first big major thrust of like where the story is gonna go, um, and flesh out. And there, there, it's really interesting to seeing like uh, Cal become his own like character. Like um, you start like he starts to do like a lot of Jedi mind tricks in this one. That's how you get mounts. He starts to read minds mm-hmm. a little bit, like uh, look into the history of things. Um, and like he's, he's he feels more of like um. Uh, obviously, since like this game takes place a few years after uh, Jedi Fallen Order, like uh, they, they, there's a lot of growth that like Cal has been has been through and to, to becoming his own like character. While in, this, while in Jedi Fallen Order, he feels more like a blank slate because he's like kind of been on the down low from the Empire. While in this one, he feels like he's more like in control of like what he wants to do instead one of being thing... tag- instead of being strung along. One thing that I had heard about this game is that this is a bit silly, but one of its major new reward structures is a lot of cosmetics in terms of how you can dress and how you can like outfit yourself. Not always stuck with a poncho, but then I've also heard like I can't make the character look good <laughs> or something like that. Like there's like there's no way to make him look appealing. I don't know I'm if you've like it. I have like his old hairstyle, but he has like a like a more full, filled out beard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like it kind of matches like the way like his his, his voice is uh, is a bit deeper in this one, and I, I think I think mine looks good. I don't know. I don't know if people are just, doing just just, just like in real life. If you know no other option, just just grow out the beard if you can. Yeah, and, and what I'm doing is like I kind of I've I've started filling out like the survival and force skill trees because I can use my skill points on that to be always universally be useful. But like I've kind of like bank starting to bank some skill points because I think I want to like invest those in like the later lightsaber stances. Um, because people are like, "Oh, this stance is really cool and fun." I'm like, "Okay, I want to try those out." Because uh, like, I I've mainly been using like the 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 first new one that you get, the dual wield one, and that's okay. That's that's fun to do. But I I really want to get into the meat of like the the new ones. I, I think say, in general, when you say dual wield, is that the the saber blaster one? No, that's the um the the split one where like you have like a a, a lightsaber in each hand. Mm, it's it's not the, okay. it's not the Darth Maul style that you got you still you still got in the first game. It's like they actually split them off, and there's a lightsaber in each hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I think it was James that was mentioning really liking the saber blaster style. Yeah, people are saying yeah. the, the 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 blaster style is cool, and like there's like a, a cross guard one that seems really cool as well. So uh, I'll probably look into them as my two stances. Um, but overall, like I've just been really enjoying just kind of like the the openness of it and like just being able to I don't, like I, I just I like I always liked the the world of Star Wars but I never really cared about the movies outside of like the original trilogy and like I don't really dig much of the like the greater lore. I, I, I hear good stuff about the Star Wars visions thing from on Netflix but I never really watch them. Like I'm a very basic Star Wars fan like outside of like I like the watching the original trilogy. I like Star Wars episode one pod racer on N sixty four. That's a banger. Um I basically I like, like all the stuff that George Lucas was involved in. Basically, I like I like the Tie Fighter games, and Rogue Squadron was cool, and that, that's really like my experience with Star Wars overall. And I'm not really a big involved fan outside of like the older games, but like that, like these these have been really really fun as well. Of course, I, I also like uh, like uh, Kotor and Kotor too, too as well. Uh, for that, but yeah, I, I, I still remember the day where I said shit about the Last Jedi, and someone in this. Got really offended and like, <laughs> about it. I was like, "Look, man, I just, I just don't really care about the prequel. I don't care about like the new trilogy. I just like, uh, like I've seen them, but I was like, I the I, prequels I are good, have... in my opinion. Uh, I just think that the acting is terrible, but I thought 
it had a very good story in there. I like, I like the pod racing. That's all I could really say. I, 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 I also like the 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 the, the cheesiness, the cheesy lines that come out of Ian McGregor, but that's about it. Yeah, lots of good cheesy line. Attica of the high ground now. It's like, all right, well, I guess <laughs> I, I guess this is it. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I, you know, it's been it's been hard. Like, you know, I uh, Jedi survivors are getting like more and more uh, patches on PC. I need to go you know, check out the latest one and seeing if it's better. Like, it runs okay ninety five percent of the time. You know, uh, now and like, five I, I percent of the time that there's issues is literally just. The main hub. Yeah, the, yeah, the 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 five percent of the time basically wish I'm like, oh, god damn it. But I like I, I need to get back to it. It's been a few days since like I played it, but you know, it's been hard. Like I really wanted to get that that's why I really wanted to like get and complete this game before Zelda came out. Because now look at me. I have Zelda uh that I want to get to. I have this other game that uh, I can talk about next weekend that uh I, I'm getting to. Um I've also been playing the the Demon's Roots, which is like the sequel. To that RPG Maker game that I uh, played a few weeks ago, and I've been really liking that as well. And I'll talk about it in another podcast. No, there's still people asking when we're going to talk about the ending of Future Redeemed. Oh. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we we like, talked we talked pretty much at length about Future Redeemed. We just didn't talk specifically about the events that happened in the ending. Which is just kind of going to like speculation territory, which we, I mean, we can do that. I just don't know like a lot of value in that. We, we all yeah. kind of said that all of us that play Future Redeem thought it was a really damn good send off to a really damn good game. Hopefully, I'm not speaking for anyone there, but that was the impression that I got. Uh, there's uh, closure to that because somebody in our Discord asked us, like, when are you guys going to talk about the ending? Like, I okay. I don't know, man. There's a lot of games to talk about. So, like, 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 I'm like, I'm like, kind of like, Strapped behind like four games, and it's like hard to find time for like any of them on top, on top of like shit I do in real life. So it's just, I don't know, man. I need I need to get the other things how, done. How dare you have real life? <laughs> I know it's fucked up, yeah. but yeah. So I mean, that's that. Josh I, having I, real I, life, Alex getting married. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, so hopefully, you know, I do want to get more time to Jedi Survivor. I also really need to get like all of these games. Scene comes out because. I took some time off of for when FF16 comes, and I'll be like no life in that game when it when it unlocks digitally. That's my plan, and uh, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and I think that I'm only doing that for let's see FF16 and Armored Core this year. Armored Core, important. That's important, but um. Yeah, I, I, but so far, like, I really like Jedi Survivor a lot. But uh, I, th- I think I'm with James that, like, I obviously haven't like completed the game, but like, it's a really impressive game so far. I, it's just there's just a lot of like other more impressive games that like have released and I've yet to release as well. I think there's a really, really solid game so far. Who know? And who knows if it'll make the, my list? You know, it probably will, but who knows? I mean, there's still a lot of the year to come and there's already a lot of like crazy good games that like you know, in places that you'd never think like i'm really liking demons roots a lot and man i i don't i don't know how i'm gonna like pitch that game to anyone else yeah. <laughs> that, that's gonna be a, a thing that's like well how do i convince people to say like this is a really good game to look at it like are you fucking crazy i'm like yeah all right well, josh me... can you can you play rants <laughs> nine and ten and tell me it's Peak fiction, like other friend of mine recommended. Well, like, I don't know. I, I, like I said, like I have yet to get to those games, but I don't know. <laughs> Look, people are always gonna be the biggest fans of any fucking game, but it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be tough, man. It's gonna be tough. 
we even had good games that like are kind of from more expected places like Octopath Traveler 2 wasn't that long ago, which we all thought pretty highly of. Uh, so far, this should shape it up to be a good year in general. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the fall lineup is. What is the fall lineup? We don't know. That's the thing. That I think we're we're we're, at, we're waiting to have those questions answered uh, next month during not E3, because mm-hmm. as far as we know, nothing comes out uh, after. There's like for Xbox, it's Starfield, which yeah. could be great, but it could also be not. <laughs> it, uh, it, it's a Bethesda game. It will be yeah. a buggy it'll be mess great up eventually. Much. Yeah, it'll um, it'll be it'll be buggy, but it'll be like, will the potential be obvious? But buggy, or will it just be squandered? Well, that's like the only that's like the only RPG I know that's coming out, and that's like what was that like uh, September? I well, think you're not, you're not interested in uh, Sword Art Online: Last Recollection. Uh, I pro- there are some friends that are probably into it, but I don't know. I I, I still have the the previous game that like I spent like 20, 30 hours on it. I was like, I can't do it. I I just lost interest. <laughs> You know, you know what you guys should do when the Starfield comes out? You should send them like a technical support letter and see if they respond back saying this is a problem with Fallout 72 or something like that. Well, hey, man, like I want to be optimistic about that game. I want to say I want to be like, OK, they're there. Hopefully they'll get into a state that like is like somewhat presentable at launch. No, it's it, it's like a meme because somebody sent them like a, a technical support Red letter Fall. for Redfall, yeah. and the guy oh. responded. It's like saying you for Fallout seventy two because I guess that game is really problematic for them, so they just automatically use okay, that. In case people are confused, I am. So on Steam, there was like a forum post for having issues with Redfall, and then like a support dev person replied, "Like, please fill out this form if you're having issues with Fallout seventy six. Oh, that's awesome! Okay, so they like they like use the same form or like template, yeah, text template. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that makes a lot more sense. That's pretty good, actually. (laughs) Should try that. I mean, yeah. Other than that, but uh, honestly, really, that's the only RPG I know coming out like in September. And then after September, like no video games. September, as far as I know, Uh, as far as the release schedule is looking like, anyway. Um. Am I am I correct, Adam? The the video games just stop releasing after September. Uh, I think so. Okay. Well, yeah. Nintendo's not releasing anything until they do. Yeah. Well, that's that's so, what Nintendo always does. They're just like, by the way, we're going to release Fire Emblem Four Remake November. So, so come to us like so, so come to us in early July, and maybe we'll know of a, a video game that comes out after September this year. <laughs> I still think that there's a chance that Metroid Prime 4 is this I, year. I, 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 I was looking at the list, and I kind of feel sheepish. I'm like, oh yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 comes out. That one but I it, sort of forget about because it's kind of like already out, but it's like coming oh, out yeah. real. Is that after September or during September, though? That's actually August, so maybe I'm um, okay. never mind. <laughs> okay, all right. So, well. This is what I have on my schedule for after September. September and back. <laughs> now, I think this is mostly up to date. Uh, I might be missing some stuff from the last week. September, we have Rune Factory 3. And Starfield. Okay. And I think Monaco Mobius is also September and also um uh the Neuta game, I think. I need to add that on here. Yeah. And then uh October is Sword Art Online, last recollection. November we have the switch port for Biomutant. Oh, oh boy. It. I don't have anything else written. I... <laughs> Damn. Sounds like a very short news podcast. Okay, you know you know we fucked up if Biomutant had like real worse performance than Tears of the Kingdom. Mm, is that even possible? Now, to be to, to to be clear, there are other games that are scheduled for the year that don't have dates yet, mm. but they just don't have dates yet. 
But speaking of uh, a oh, Falco... Oh, I forgot Lords of the Fallen is also in October. Oh, no. Uh, right. Since, since you guys mentioned the Legend of Yuta uh, here, uh, I did went in and tried the Yeast uh, Open Fagata on the Switch, and Adel oh. does talk. He does talk. Holy but, shit. But not in the way that you would expect it. Okay. Be like... Okay, you know that part where, where you talk to like the first guy, and it's and the narrator will say that oh, narr- it's like it'll introduce himself, right? Oh. Instead of hearing that line, that'll be the dialogue. That will be what's said in the dialogue box, and it'll say in Japanese, "Hajimashita," you know, like "Nice to meet you." Oh, okay. <laughs> so the dialogue box is Adol introduces himself, and then the voice line is actually like him introducing himself, but not, that's not reflected in the dialogue box. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so, that's- so Adol's like speaking these one-liners. That's it. I'm like, that's oh, awesome. God. That's is this it. That's so goofy. <laughs> that is the most. That's a solution, I guess. <laughs> that's a way to repackage a game as. Ooh, a game. You say that's a solution. Was it ever a problem? I, don't know. I, I yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's true. Like okay, now that's something fully voiced. That is really funny. My God, I hope they don't ever do that. Like for like new releases or like main releases. That sounds. That would immediately take me out and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd laugh for like a good minute or two. <laughs> Man. Now you know. Yeah, thank you for the for the report on the ground. Ciao. <laughs> so a lot of our news topics have kind of already been touched on. So I'm going to go and go through the ones that we kind of already just happened to bring up, you know, in passing. Uh, one of the news topics was that Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom did sell 10 million copies worldwide in three days it is the fastest selling game in the series. And I think it's the fastest selling Nintendo game in North America as well. And Europe. And Europe. So yeah, uh, Zelda is selling like gangbusters. Surprise. You made a good game. That's crazy. Yeah. And then uh, Alex mentioned this, but Breath of the Wild is at currently at something like 29 million or something like that. It's it's near the 30 million huge milestone. So it looks like Tears of the Kingdom. Who knows if it'll have the the legs? It, all things seem to point to that it will, but we'll see. It's doing incredibly well and has been seemingly a critical and commercial success. Uh, we talked about how we have a release date for Monochromobius: Rights and Wrongs Forgotten for PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five. We we learned that this was coming off its PC only. It, can't, it released originally only on PC. We had learned that it was coming to PlayStation. Yeah. yeah, sorry. We had learned that it was only coming to PC in the West. We uh, James talked about how that was kind of frustrating for fans of the series who aren't typically on PC. Then we learned that it was coming to the PlayStation consoles, and now we have a date for those in the West. It'll be launching for PlayStation 4 and uh, 5 on September 5th in North America, September 8th in Europe. And then Adam also brought this up. Uh, Lords of the Fallen, previously the Lords of the Fallen, previously Lords See? of the Fallen 2. <laughs> Yes. Right? Did I forget any? So, nope. Lords of the Fallen. It will be launching on October 13th for Hazen uh, 5, Xbox Series, and Steam. And then alongside this, we did also get a, um, a gameplay reveal trailer, which is about four minutes of gameplay. Uh, and it, to me, it looks like it has like the art style, very similar to like Dark Souls 3, but gameplay that looks more like Bloodborne. But there's so many of these games now that you can kind of like mix and match a bunch of them. It, it looks competent. The gameplay looks fun. I bet I would I it's, bet I would enjoy this. It actually looks impressive at a glance. I know it's just a trailer for like a brand new studio. So Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about the brand new studio part. Like, like, they have yeah, no pedigree. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
but, but we'll it's, see. But it's it's still it's still funny that like the <laughs> um Brian mentions like it's still kind of like you know there's like Dark Souls and Bloodborne. It's like guess what the very original like 2013 2014 people <laughs> saw the first trailer. That's like yeah they're just literally copying Dark Souls. <laughs> so it's just like you know. Uh, the, the the cycle continues, I guess, for Lords of the Fall. <laughs> I, I will say, though, that in this trailer, they have some characters that have, like, red hair jutting out of a helmet, similar to, like, Melania. And I'm like, did mm-hmm. they just... Is that original original design, do not steal, <laughs> sort of thing? Uh, I don't know. It could just be a coincidence, but it's a very evocative look and um, pre- present in the trailer. The trailer is actually a good mix of cinematics and some gameplay. But... Now, was the game that released, when did the original game release from Deck 9? Like 2013? 2013, 2014. And it was, also, it was also called Lords of the Fallen, right? Yep. yep. So, this is, so this is a two-game series where both games have the same title. You have Lords of the Fallen and then Lords of the Fallen 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This used to be called the, the Lords of the Fallen to distinguish it. And then they yeah. got rid of that and then just made it the same title. Well, I, mean, I don't understand. Look, I don't understand how fucking marketing works, man. But this seems well, like a bad we're idea. seeing we're seeing the same sort of stuff with like Mortal Kombat One or whatever. <laughs> okay, yeah, Mortal Kombat One actually makes any sense. Okay, uh, enough. My question is if 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 it's the exact same title as the original Lords of the Fallen, will it have the Prey 2017 issue where if you had the original Prey installed in the same drive, it would overwrite it? Oh God, you're right. Oh my God, I, I forgot about that shit. I mean, I, I mean, we've seen uh, like we've seen this before with like Prey and like, like Tomb Raider and things like that, but it, it just it just seems kind of silly that this is a two game series. Or it's series even the right word because it's two different developers. I don't even know. It's just very strange. We have two same titles that I think are at least spiritually connected from two different developers with the same. Name. Look, I'm just saying the Mortal Kombat 1 naming makes sense because at the end of Mortal Kombat 11, Liu Kang becomes a god and rewrites the entire universe. Okay. Oh, yes. Uh, I was I was missing that context. Yeah, so that's why it's, all, it's a whole bland, brand new slate. Everything's rebooted. Like, you know, Mortal Kombat 9 was a reboot as well, but this was like, it's wiping the slate clean and that's why everything's just brought back from the beginning. Just a blank slate, do whatever you want. They know they fucked up when they turned Luke Kang into a zombie. <laughs> so that's why they made him to a god. <laughs> yes. Hey, you know what? Shen looks sick, but in, in fucking Nether Realm, the Warner Brothers game fashion, it's a pre-order character. Fucking, they haven't fucking shown anything of the game yet. They already announced a pre-order DLC. Man, it's just like the Overwatch <laughs> to selling those battle passes. And now they're just on there scrapping the most important mode. Okay, we can't we can't do this. We're gonna get down a fucking rabbit hole. We're sorry. <laughs> God damn it. That that was just the most absurd news this week. Holy shit, Blizzard. Anyway. <laughs> the last release date that we have is that um Jagged Alliance 3. We knew it was coming out sometime, I believe summer 2023. It'll be releasing on July 14th. Isn't that technically RPG news with Overwatch 2 kind of scrapping like it's RPG mode? <laughs> in a way. Or it's, <laughs> uh, they they can like only get a PvE mode. Or I mean, it's a PvE mode. I like how we immediately just go back to Overwatch. They had talent trees. I've never played the original Jacket Alliance, or 2, I guess. 2 is like a classic. Um, 
three looks you know interesting in terms of like i like the sort of tactical or more like it's almost pure strategy it seems like yeah how much rpg it is but it looks interesting yeah it's like that thin thin line between strategy and strategy rpg so Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I remember the first, like, the, the Jagged Alliance games being strategy games. So, I, I don't know anything about Jagged, Jagged Alliance. It's like, I think PG or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, Jagged Alliance 2 came out in 1999. Which was yeah, they're, they're very old games. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some headline that says, like, Jagged Alliance 3, 20 years in the making, finally has a release date. I'm like, well. It's really been in the making for 20, 20 years. 20 years in the making is stretching. That's like Duke Nukem Forever. 20 kind of. years in the making. <laughs> that game turned out it's great. Like, oh, yeah. Like oh, saying, yeah. But, uh, it's like saying Dead Island 2 is 10 years in the making. Which, oh, I yes. Mean, I mean, in a sense, <laughs> sure. But also, like, uh, that was like, what, three different developers? So. Here's of the Kingdom, six years in the making, and it shows. Yeah, and that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then one of the major headlines that I have doesn't actually have a lot of detail past the headline, but that is, is that Amazon Games, the same studio from Amazon Games Orange County that made New World in 2021, is working on another Lord of the Rings MMORPG. I can't and wait for the makers of New World to make a Lord of the Rings MMO. That... Is win? And then um, the sort of hot button topic that came up afterwards was gameindustry.biz had an interview with the uh the like the thing was like one of the vice presidents and uh Eurogamer picked it up or like picked this out of that interview where they were talking about the other Lord of the Rings online game that's been around for like 15 years and mm-hmm. the vice president he he basically just said literally on his face no context needed like we expect people who will just move over from the old game, <laughs> this one. Um, yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. Obviously, kind of like uh, I don't even play that many MMOs. I played more when I was in, in high school, but it's like that's not how it works. No, like <laughs> there, there's a reason why Final Fantasy XI is still ongoing 21 years later, and that's because people that play. <laughs> play mmos they stick around uh, what are you talking about all the ff11 players just didn't move over to ff14 what what i mean i'm sure there will be some groups of friends that let's try out the new mmo just to try it but they're they have no intention of like leaving their old mmo are, are they sh- are they shutting down the old uh lord no, of the rings no, no, okay it's okay. a totally separate company yeah. okay okay it's Sta- standing stone games does L- lord of the rings online i believe it is if anything, I'm pretty sure like Lord of the Rings Online will probably try and piggyback off of whatever marketing for the new MMO by saying, hey, if you want to check out us, we have uh, 15 years of content. Yeah, going. yeah, but you're able content and it's still going. And you can probably run yeah. this on your computer. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know. that That's an interesting answer, I, I guess. <laughs> like, that is like such a... That's a, an answer you give that they just, uh, it's, I saw a tweet that um pretty much said usually you have to wait until like closer to release to know that a project is going to be a bit of a of mess but this one statement gives gives you all the information you need to know look i i'm looking forward to how broken that game is because if, there, if there's anything i liked out of new world it was like it was crazy to I, I like keeping up the stories of like how many ways new world was broken in its first few months i, I will say i will say is it the same developers as New World, or is it a different uh, developer? According to what Josh put up, Josh Tolentino put up on the news post, he says it's Amazon Games Orange County, 
which is the I same one that did New World. Orange uh, County. Oh shit! Yeah. Um. Everyone's saying. I will say, I did play a little bit of New World like a few months back, and technically, there is some really impressive stuff that's going on in that game, especially in regards to like audio design. So I think hmm. that like completely divorced from everything else, I think that that studio could make an engaging like Lord of the Rings uh, MMO, especially in regards to like recreating like Middle Earth, making it immersive. I don't know if they'll be able to to deliver. But also, once you have one project like New World under your belt, presumably making something around the same like scope should be a bit easier the second time around. You think so they have their knows? tool set in place and things like that. Yeah. Now, what this announcement is, is that they have just struck the deal, Amazon Games and Embracer Group's Middle Earth Enterprises. So my reading of this, they have today announced, and this is um, uh, May 15th, that they have reached an agreement for Amazon Games to develop and publish a new massively multiplayer online game based on Lord of the Rings. So like this, this game does not exist. It is not started. They've just agreed to make it. So this is way, yeah, so way, <laughs> way out. This is this is seven, eight years away. It'd be my guess at the least. Oh, well, depends on depends on how much time Amazon Games gives them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it depends on that, I guess. And mm. uh, you know how Amazon. It feels like the people running Amazon Games. Uh, you know, may may not know how how long it takes to make video games. Maybe <laughs> is my guess. My educated guess. Based on the answer of a higher up that we just heard from an interview, let's say. And so just every time like an MMO or an MMO like game is announced, uh, we saw this with that. What, what was the Chrono Chrono Odyssey? Like, well, we'll we'll reconvene once it's playable yeah, in at six years. In like four years. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, you have other stuff from Lord of the Rings. You have that Gollum game coming out. You have. That game is still so weird to me. Like, uh, yeah. do people want this? Maybe it's I good. Know. I keep calling it an RPG, but I'm not really sold that it's an RPG. Oh, okay. <laughs> let, let, let's okay. not call it an RPG, so we don't have to cover it. <laughs> but, but like, I I felt like they did. I was like, I don't think it is. Um, and they also have. Aren't they making a, a second season of that like, Rings of the Rings of Power? Yeah, I think so. Show? The one billion dollar show <laughs> or whatever million dollars billion dollars. I mean, I, I I believe so, but I don't know. So uh, that's that's uh, that's what there, I thought. There's, there's, there's an anime movie coming out, and there's also uh, some other series, right? There's an anime movie rings coming yeah. out. The yeah. fuck? Yep. Uh, all right, <laughs> sure. Anything's possible, man. And then the last couple headlines I have here looks like they're late editions from the indie showcase. What what showcase was this, Josh? Uh, there was like an indie live expo 2023 uh, live stream that uh, went on for a good chunk of hours, like this the the morning of this recording. Um, I, I don't uh, like uh, I I didn't really keep up with it, but you know I was like at Gamatsu, see what Sal wrote up, and two of the things that stuck out to me was um, the an uh, indie game called Solvars uh, is releasing for uh pretty much everywhere ps5 xbox series ps4 xbox one switch and pc like uh via steven epic game store it's coming on june 27th i think this i think an early version of this or some version of this came out on mobile or at an earlier point um this is a game that's like sort of caught my eye uh visually and audio wise um so the the, like this kind of like a turn-based grpg 
uh, with a deck building combat system. So um, that's coming out, you know, uh, later this month or not later, so, uh, later next month. Um, and I think I think the Steam page for that is up. If you just look for Solvars, S O U L V A R S, uh, one word, info on that there. Um, and also, they're releasing more DLC for that Wizardry Five Ordeals game. Uh, the DLC scenario, The Absence of Misericordia, launches June 22nd for that. Um, and there's more content for Wizardry. <laughs> you know, it's kind of weird. It's it's kind of weird thinking about. There's like a there's like a a modern release of Wizardry that's still ongoing right now, and it's like it's 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 not like some weird um like MMO that they've tried out in the past. It's not that mobile game that's in development that uh, that Adam has actually been putting up trailers for that Wizardry mobile game, and it looks very weird i guess and then there's like this classic wizardry experience the five ordeals uh, that's the i know the five ordeals they recently released or announced no released another dlc which what it was like the five ordeals was like a playstation 2 game mm-hmm. and then they recently released let me look this up dlc which basically was a different PL- ps2 game that they just like we're just going to attach it as dlc yeah, prisoners of the prisoners of the battles. So, like I, the the current version of prisoners of the battles is a DLC for Wizardry: The Five Ordeals, but that was just a standalone PS2 game. Is the absence uh, is the absence of Misericordia? Uh, I, I there's a lot of these PS2 era and, games. And that, that is that is kind of pretty cool that they're like they're starting to re-release these games, but like like at a discounted rate because they're just kind of like kind of building on top of like their current release, so it's not like. They don't have to sell a whole new game again. It's just like, hey, you want more? You want more wizardry? Do you really want a shitload of wizardry and never stop? Well, we got the package for you. I wish I was strong enough in the current age to like play wizardry again. That's just like torture on yourself. Yeah, I was a much more patient person way back when, and now I'm just like, fuck, man. But then again, I'm playing a game that takes... It doesn't respect your time. I mean, Tears of the Kingdom doesn't respect your time, but it's fun. It just takes a lot of time to do a lot of things in it. But yeah, I think I think those are the only things that really caught my eye out of this. Like, obviously, more to come from this indie live expo. Maybe I'll like uh, give it a skim and see what else catches my eye. But because it's like, well, like how long was this session? Three and a half hours. Holy shit! Goddamn, that's a lot of indie games. But yeah. Um, well, they're the only ones that at at the offsets uh, on my eye. And that kind of covers it. We're kind of in like the the calm before the storm in a news front. Of course, I know a lot of us are still playing Zelda, and then we're not that far away from Final Fantasy 16. That's just less than a month, June 22nd, or I guess that is slightly over a month. Just a few days over a month. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be a month away from Final Fantasy 16. Looking at the end slate of May, it looks like the bigger releases are Miasma Chronicles. We've talked about that game a few times. That'll be coming out in a few days. And then System Shock remake is currently set for May 30th. Man, so, I don't know what to think. I have no idea what to think about that. I, I really want to try it out because I really like the System Shock games. But some of the recent news coming out of that, man, I don't know what to think about that remake. <laughs> I have no idea. Is it kind of sad that part of me is like, oh, good. I, that. 
you know, uh, 10 days away for System Shock, which I have kind of a passing curiosity in. I can just play more Zelda. Yeah, yeah. yeah dude. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, man. There's too many fucking video games. Yeah. Miasma Chronicles, uh, what what I've seen from that and the and the word of mouth so far from the from the marketing and the preview events that have happened, I'm interested in it. I don't know if I'm interested yeah, to play it day cool. one, but I'm interested uh, in it. That might be all right. I think that's set for like immediate upcoming releases, as far as we yeah. know. Oh yeah, the, the PC version of Fairy Fencer F Refrain Horde is coming out the May twenty three. Yeah, according to Steam. Yeah. And then, uh, oh yeah, Cassette Beasts will be coming out for a console on um, May 25th. We talked about that last week. And I played it. I played the PC version and thought it was pretty good. It has a really nice soundtrack. It's quite different. So if you're waiting for the console port of Cassette Beasts, I thought it was pretty damn good. You should check it out yeah. if you're not playing Zelda. And uh, Inkbound uh, starts early access this week on Steam on May 22nd. This is from the developers of Monster Train. I, I, I played the demo on some Steam Next Fest. And yeah, I remember like talking about that one. Yeah, like an isometric action RPG that has some neat things going for it. So I don't know if I'll play it during early access, but what, what I like, uh, I did like uh, the Steam demo that I played for it. So. And that will pretty much cover us for this week's episode of the TetraCast. So thank you all so much for listening. We know that we've kind of gone pretty heavy into Zelda for the last two weeks. Don't really know what next couple of weeks will hold, but we're going to be ramping up, as Alex surmised, into uh final fantasy 16 kind of preview impressions uh early in the month and then of course into final fantasy 16 proper by june 22nd so that'll be of course the next big the next big hurdle for us and then by then we will have all the summer events that we kind of alluded to to fill out the back part of the year not just um nayuda and starfield and a few other games that we do know of We'll start to see what else we have to look forward to in the October, November, December timeframe. Um, the our, the features that we talked about, such as the Legend of Zelda review, is up on the site. Alex's Street Fighter VI feature about its RPG mode, also up on the site. Uh, maybe we'll be having a time at some point to talk about that RPG mode in a, in a different context. We'll see if that ends up shaking out. Uh, you can find RPG site on all the social media channels. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to search for RPG site, and you should be able to find us. Uh, you can join our Discord by going to the link at the top of our homepage or going to discord.gg slash RPG site or hitting the link at the bottom of our YouTube, page, uh, YouTube uploads. And we will be back next week with another episode of the TetraCast. Until you hear from us next time, stay safe and take care. We will talk to you all later.